Right, so today, a little bit more of an unusual one on the map for this show. I've got my great friend, Andy Casey. Now, Andy's got an interesting story. He's gone from being... I'll, I'll let him tell you a story and give an intro in a second. He's gone from being a photographer, paparazzi, and now to running a fantastic media out, outlet, a very successful person in his own right. Now, he's watched my career develop over quite a period of time, since I'd say... I'll let, I'll let him tell you about that, early 2000s at least. And he lives where I used to live, in North Devon. So I thought, bring someone on here who's watched from the outside initially. He's got a lot of questions about the bad side of success and being well-known and having a lot of money and some of the things he's observed that he wants answers to. We were talking about this on the phone. We thought, you know, this would make a great podcast for people to have, they're all thinking about these questions and, and Andy's quite cheeky. You'll get to know him in it. He'll just go through and he'll ask certain things and go different areas. So we'll just see how it's going to roll and check him out too at the end of it. We'll let you know how you can find him and his services and what he's up to and so on there. But it's been great to watch his career progress because actually when I met Andy, first of all, from what I can remember him, he used to be quite overweight and out of shape. I used to be worried about his fitness and his health more than anything else. Now he's known to be like a fitness fanatic and he's really transformed himself. So, so Andy, over to you. So, so my podcast is your stage today. Be nice to me. Uh-huh. Um, I'm always nice to you. A little that. bit of an intro. Let's let's go back to the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, firstly, don't call me a fitness fanatic. I'm a, I'm a fat guy who found health and fitness. That's what I am. Um, I found a love for getting in shape and and getting getting fitness and you know eating properly and stuff. I you know the way you feel after health and fitness is completely different from burgers, chips and sitting at a desk all day. So, um, but so yeah, let's start, let's start off with, um, um, my, my early memories of you. Should we, should we start off there? Yeah. Okay. I so, have to give Andy credit. That picture there in the background, this one, he took that. I was, that was, um, 10 years ago. I think it's less than that, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, it must be more than that because I was dating someone else and I got married not long after that. So it's back wow. then. That was 11 years ago. You're right, yeah. yeah really? Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so, my, so this, is, this is my first ever view of Matt, Matt Fidesz. Or Matt, Matt Fidesz. How many people say your surname wrong? Fides, Fidesz? Not so bad than that. In the old days, it used to be Fidesz, Fides, Fidesz, Fiddles. I don't really care to be honest, but um, but um, well, there's that famous thing, right? That they say, as long as they, as long as they get your name right, that's all that matters. Whatever the people talk about you, but yeah, I mean, now it's it's Fidesz, it's what it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah. Over the years, it's been everything imaginable. I've been sat in doctor surgery, they call you surname. I think who's that? Is that meant to be me? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Your been... surname, Casey's I've... unusual too, isn't it? I've been Andy Cassie a lot of times in my life. I won't lie. Um, oh, yeah. So, so yeah, so go. Let's, let's roll back about 1999. Um, I'm a uh, young, impressionable lad in North Devon, and um, I'm um, I, I've got the hots for this particular girl in uh, in the Wimpy in Barnstable, which I'm sure you'll you'll remember this 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 place in Barnstable. And um, I'm standing there, and I'm ordering my food. And I used to like it because this particular girl. Uh, used to always do me a strawberry milkshake and a banana milkshake, but put it in the same thing. So it was, just tasted incredible. That's probably why I was so fat back then. Um, so anyway, I'm standing there at the counter and you're probably not, you're thinking to yourself right now, 
Andy, like, where are you going with this? And there's these white, like what looked like raffle ticket, draw tickets on the side. And it says, sign up for Matt Fidesz Martial Arts, get a free uniform. And like, and I'm like, what's this? And they're like, oh, this is like this, this guy around the corner. He's got this place on, on the Strand in, in Barnstable. Yeah, he's doing martial arts. And I was like, oh, wow, cool. I might sign up to that. And I was thinking, yeah, I'm probably, I'm, I'm probably, I bruise like a peach. I'm, that's not for me. Funny thing is, 20, however many years later, I now know that that's a lead magnet, you know? You know, that's... Yeah, the, well, that, that was... Um, what you're talking about there, I was always very... Well, you know this, Andy, I was very aggressive in my marketing, and that's what made me, really. I, I wanted to be... My mentor at the time told me, you have to be very aggressive and be in people's faces, and I certainly did that. And that's... So what you're talking about there is the Wimpy. We did a deal with them. And for anyone who don't know, Wimpy is used to be like uh, the biggest, like um, kind of like a McDonald's chain. There's not many of them around in the UK anymore. There, there is in other countries like South Africa and stuff. So I trained all their staff in South Defence. And in return, they would give out vouchers every time someone bought something. And then also, I'd have, you're talking about a lead box. So I'd have this, like a cardboard box with a notepad and pen on the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You enter in. And you get a free month at my martial arts school. And then we'd have them positioned in 100 places around Barnstable at one time, which takes a lot of doing, Andy. So there'd be doctor surgeries and dentists. So, and then we'd check on them every two days because if you don't maintain them, they just get thrown away. Yeah. So the staff at Wimpy knew that myself or one of my team members, when I did have some, would be in there to take them out. And you get like people being Bruce Lee, John Paul Van Damme, and yeah, yeah. You're, you're <laughs> an idiot. Mouse. You're an idiot, Mickey Mouse. and... Yeah. And stuff like that. But then we did well out of it. It was the lead magnet. Yeah, we did very well out of those. There was free money. It was free memberships in. And also great brand awareness. And I don't know if you remember the pictures on it, but I had my top off with my long permed hair. And yeah, 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 my, yeah. I had, yeah. I had muscles and I got muscles now. I'm Mr. Skinny now. But strange, strange, tedious link. So the guy who did that photo, I, I looked at his house when I was buying my first house and there was a photography studio in his garage, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, yeah, who would that be? Would that be... Uh, Hussein? Hussein, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same Salah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he became the official photographer in the end for Michael Jackson. Oh, uh, did he? He came to England, yeah. Yeah, he oh, did. Wow. He, had all, he went along places. His son came to my class. He lived in Torrington. Oh, yeah. In North Devon. So, yeah, that's where that came from. Wow, wow. So that's so the first time you were ever aware of me. That's the first time I ever, ever aware of you. And then I, I knew a few people who trained, trained with you and I knew a couple who worked alongside you. And then I think the next time I probably really heard about you was Michael, Jack, Michael Jackson's apparently in Barnstable at the Queen's Theatre. And I remember going, why the hell is Michael Jackson at the Queen's Theatre? I was working in various different nightclubs and stuff at the time. And like in a, you know, a small town like that, like news travels fast, you know, they have social media back then, but it was sort of across town. And I remember hearing people saying, yeah, my, Michael Jackson's just been to the Queen's Theatre in Barnstable. And I'm like, whatever, like, yeah, okay. And then, um, yeah, you know, then later on, I hear that obviously Michael was uh, in Exeter as well with you you guys when you did the stuff with Yuri. Um, I looked at a picture the other day, which I've seen that picture. Um, I saw it on uh, Michael's Instagram, which still finds me, uh, still baffled me that he can still send a, put an Instagram out because I thought he passed away, but... He, he, did. he the, the estate did it yesterday. It was good honour for me. It was kind of like a... You know, I appreciated that, to be honest with you. So the Michael Jackson estate, which is Prince, Paris, Blanket, his children, and um, 
Catherine, his mum, and their lawyer, John Branco, who looks after all of Michael's, uh, you know, the money now he's making is insane. He's making more money now than when he was alive. Yeah, okay. Facebook, he put out, they put out on Twitter, that's why I first noticed it, then on Instagram, then on Facebook. Now, back then, remember, these platforms did not exist when he was alive. No, it was no. just MySpace, and Facebook was about to come out. 69 million followers went out to yesterday. That picture of me and Michael wow. Jackson on stage on Facebook, 7 million on Instagram, and 2.5 million on Twitter. And the man's not even alive. I mean, that's powerful. But they put that out yesterday. Yeah, I was shocked. The fans started sending it to me. I was like, wow, you know, fair play. And you again, I wasn't too happy about it because on the Instagram, they cut him off. <laughs> they cut that him the, off. That was, that was the thing, Matt. I've, ne- I've seen that photo, you know, over the years, you know, working working with you over the years and stuff. I've I've seen that photo and I've not once well, realised that was David Blaine beside you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get a lot of stick about that picture because people refer to me as the umbrella man for Michael Jackson. And the media, you'll understand this because you're medium and you understand how photography, IP and ownership works. So there's lots of pictures of me and Michael out there being packed by paparazzi and stuff. But that picture, because Michael wanted that to raise money for HIV and AIDS. Yeah. Well, they yesterday. We raised a lot of money for Africa, HIV and AIDS, a charity that was close to his heart. That's why he came there. And it's quite a risky situation. We had, I don't know, seven, 8,000 people there, not much barriers. He was supposed to talk for a minute, but he, he wanted to do half an hour. Actually, it's probably the most, the, the last positive public thing he ever did before the, the, the hard times came, which put an end to his life. But what was what's interesting, people call it, oh, you're just the umbrella man for the day. You've only met him once on that day. You held his umbrella and all that stuff. The reason they use that picture, Andy, you probably work it out. Mm-hmm. Michael let all the paparazzi in because he wanted maximum exposure to raise money for HIV and AIDS. And also, we had all the children's hospice there, Framington's hospice, kids there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the front row, remember that? So he wanted every, he let every media in, unusual for him. So nobody really knows who took that picture. So it's fair game. So when the media used a picture of Michael Jackson, now obviously you have to pay an agency and they're worth a lot of money, right? So a picture mm-hmm. of me and Michael walking around London together is owned by someone who they have to pay royalties for. They can command quite a and fee. That's why you see stuff like that online with like Shutterstock or the agency's always got their their, 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 their sort of watermark over it. So the X is the one. The y, the umbrella thing label was given to me, which does drive me crazy sometimes. Like, why do you keep using that picture? I'll give you a shout next time it's raining. <laughs> oh, dear me. It's because they can't. It's fair game. Nobody can claim ownership of that picture because there was like 50 photographers there who, who all got the same angle, got the same image. So that's why like the Daily Mail Online and The Sun, they reproduce that picture because they know it's fair. That and it, they, if, it, if it's a non-exclusive image, everyone's got it. It's, it's completely, exactly. it has no value, does it? Whereas all the others we've taken, you can argue they're owned by certain people who, who can put a claim in, which has happened with media outlets in the past. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, also, I was holding his umbrella because he had a. Now he's passed away and he had the autopsy. Yeah, he's brutal. Ligo, it's true. He's telling the truth. He had a skin disorder, no pigment. So he's prone to skin cancer. He couldn't be in the sun. Yeah, yeah. Not because it was going to rain. Anyway, I'll hand it back to you. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, obviously, I heard about the, the whole Michael Jackson in town thing. And then, and then I, I suppose it probably for me, it went, you know, I, I, I probably. You know, it, it, it was, you weren't kind of anything that kind of I, I ever sort of heard about. And then I remember walking through town one day and um, I I remember seeing something on a wall and I can't remember where it was because 
I, I've got, it's funny, we were talking about this the other day and I remember saying to you where I thought it was and I think you said you thought it was somewhere else, so I'm wondering if there was two. And I, on this wall, I just see it says, kill Matt Fidesz. And I, like, I remember at the time thinking graffiti. like, yeah, graffiti. So someone's like, and it looks like someone's just written it in the Sharpie. And I remember even back then thinking like, that's weird, right? Because like, you know, like I'm a pretty down to earth, docile kind of guy. And I'm like, I've never had that much hatred towards anyone, you know? I mean, like what my first thought was, oh, and I'll be honest, Matt, my first thought was like, what the hell has this guy done to the person who had the pen? You know, why have they upset them, you know? And then um, obviously, you know, this the stuff like that, and, you know, the, the the media outlets went for you when it when it came to, you know, as I've since found out recently that... The, the local papers were acting like um, tabloids. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this is a funny thing, Andy, right? So when I... I'm from Swindon. That's where I'm from. I was born in Swindon, which is a bigger city kind of town. It's not a city town, but it should be a, should be a city. It's a huge place in, in a county called Wiltshire. And my mum, she trained to be a lawyer. She got a transfer to a North Devon town called Braunton. My martial arts instructor obviously was in Swindon. I didn't want to open up on his doorstep. It's like, it seemed to be a bit disrespectful to be honest. You don't do yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So I decided to go and to open up in, um, in North Devon. And everyone said to me, uh, their back was down there. I ain't never going to work down there. You got no chance. No one lives there. Who goes to Barnstable? Who goes to Braunton? And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this was the trouble. This was the trouble. No one, no one had seen anything quite like my ambition before. Because I, I was freaking, I was just raging. The first thing I did is got a job at, well, I drove past it the other day. I see it's been shut down. There's a new one. At the North Devon Ledger Centre for £2.75 an hour. Yeah, yeah. Because I was 16. And it was quite a good time because I could sit back. And when the pool was empty, I'd visualise how can I build this empire because my goals were I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 20, I want a fire, I'm 20, I want a six pack, I want muscles, do the splits like John Paul Van Damme. I had all these goals, but I had no real way of getting there. But that £2.75 an hour is cruelty. I mean, that was just wrong. Matt, Matt, before you go any further, okay, I'm cool. You wanted the Ferrari, the millionaire. Let's talk about the splits before we get any further. Did you do it? I'm sure, I've done the splits in front of you many times. Oh, I must have missed that. <laughs> Yeah, it's on my Facebook. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a split. I don't, I don't recommend it though. <laughs> I don't recommend it. I can still do it now. It depends how much someone's going to offer me. But okay. uh, but it's a bit more painful. Yeah, I used to do like these split kicks, Andy. And I was I don't know what genetically gifted or whatever you want to call it. But for my first martial arts class, I could just go straight into the splits. One of my wow. brothers is one of my brothers is exactly the same. One of my sons is the same as well. So that helps you a lot. In the martial arts. So wow. £2.75 an hour is a lifeguard. Mm -hmm. I was so ambitious. I was reading like you know, Tony Robbins and Unleash the Power of Him. And I had the personal power cassette tapes back then, the 30 days. I don't know if you've seen that. I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this have, have um, gone through that program. Is that the all I need is within me now? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah all that type of stuff. And then you go out every day, I'm getting better and better every day. All this type of stuff. And yeah. And I had my diary and I was journalizing everything at the what time I'll do things and planning and my training, my eating, and how was I going to get members in, reading all the business books, PR, mm -hmm. all this type of stuff. Then a job came available at the North Devon Leicester. Do you remember they had the gym in there? A big fitness gym, didn't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was gym manager. 
And I thought, fantastic. This is my chance now. And it's the manager of the legend was called Ian Garth. And I hope you're watching this, Ian, because I've got a big thank you for you in a second. And uh, I, I thought, I, in my head, I thought, I'm Levin Edward. I, I worked in the gym. I was a qualified personal trainer. It's the only qualification I had that I could pull this off, you know? I could sell memberships. I can train people. I've done that. But the problem I had was that I was a skinny little 17-year-old. So I applied for the job, very confident. Three days later, I got a meeting with him. And he said, Matt, I've got to be honest. And he wrote a letter, gave me to a writing as well. Is that you're too young. You're not experienced. You're not qualified <laughs> enough. You're underqualified. And the ironic thing is, you're a member, literally six months from that date, just over the road from his office window, you could see my martial arts school in Castle Street. Yeah, yeah. I was doing £80,000 a month, 700 members there, more members than he had in his whole gym at the Leisure Centre. And the people around him, uh, one of his assistants, David, said that one of his biggest regrets is not giving you that gym manager job. <laughs> you became his biggest competition just over the road. We had that place on two floors and it was rocking. So that's where that's where it got to that stage. Well, I think the problem being is why it worked so well is, yeah, okay, North Devon wasn't ready for it. I didn't understand North Devon because the Swindon, everything's very fast moving. Lots of people have Ferraris, Lamborghinis and all that type of stuff. There's lots of big corporations there. So I don't know. I, I, I just, the, the aggression of... My nature is I go in all out, my training and my marketing, and North Devon didn't like it. But then at the same time, Andy, they I think the stats are so ridiculous now that about 70% of North Devon at one time, the person or their children has been a Matt Fidesz martial arts member. Wow. Incredible. Uh, so it was like a buzz. And because I was so young and it was such a wild story, millionaire at 18, and then the national papers took it, didn't it? Buddy Boy become a millionaire. Anyway, the Daily Mail, the Sun, it was everywhere. And then the local papers joined to those groups and they jump on the bandwagon and started using me like a tabloid piece. Yeah, this yeah, is before yeah. the whole, this is before me and Yuri Geller and Michael Jackson and stuff. And yeah, it was strange because I was like, um, I remember saying to one of my team members, I, I want to be the most well-known martial arts person in uh, in Barnstable. And I remember him telling me six months later, you're like, you're like the most well-known martial arts man in the UK right now. It's like, yeah, yeah. Everyone, knows, everyone knows who you are. And it, it was, but North Devon, they didn't really know how to handle it. And at the time, I thought it was all normal, Andy. You know, I thought it was normal to hang around with Michael Jackson and Yuri Geller and David Blaine, you mentioned earlier mm. on, and have a Ferrari driving around with me top off in the winter with baby oil on permed hair. I wonder why people thought I was a bit strange and different. Now I look back now, I'm 43, think, I get it now. So um, have you heard of the um, the uh, the fitness event that happens in Portugal? It was like last weekend called IFS. IFS. Yeah. So you get people, you've got people like James Smith that, that kind of that go there and, and Jay Alderton, Paul Moore, that kind oh, of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Paul, Paul's my coach. And Paul said in, a, in our war room this week, we had, a, we had a Zoom call with him and he said, his, he showed us a picture of his daughter and he said, my daughter does not think this is abnormal. My daughter is brought up in this environment. So I can totally respect what you're saying because you were in that environment. And like he said, you know, he doesn't want his daughter to be brought up in an, in an, in an area where, you know, 
where he said, like, speaking in front of people isn't abnormal. You know, being at these big corporate events isn't abnormal. Being surrounded by these wealthy people isn't abnormal. Um, you know, so for you, I mean, I, you know, I can imagine people saying, oh, you know, look at him there driving in his Ferrari. And I can imagine people, I mean, I've probably, I, I, you probably drove past me and I might have gone, oh, look at him in his Ferrari. But, I'm sure you would have said a bit more than that. <laughs> yeah, but this, this, you know, you've got a family audience here, Matt. I mean... Uh, um, yeah, I, no, it doesn't matter as it is. I mean, go back to the graffiti thing. I mean, that was devastating for me. And but can like, you can you imagine being at like like this is like this is like me being a complete outsider? Can you imagine being a parent who has got their child being trained at Matt Fidesz martial arts, and there's a sign on the wall that says "Kill Matt Fidesz"? Like, can you imagine the impact of the children they're going to have on that? The impact of the parents. I mean. I would imagine, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to imagine, I guarantee you lost some custom because of it, because someone would have read that and someone would have said, is my child safe going to Matt Fidesz? Like, I can me, almost let, guarantee it. Let me tell you, tell you about that, because it's quite an interesting one, and it turns it all on its head. So I had this goal, and I achieved it. Every two weeks, I will come up with an angle to get in the local paper. I found that easy. That was, like, natural to me. So it could be from sim simple things from students winning a competition to people achieving their grades. I never miss an opportunity for me doing a charity event, doing training the Wimpy staff, helping the hospice kids. That was all good deeds. Mm -hmm. But every two weeks, I'd be in the North Devon Gazette. I preferred that publication because the distribution was paper boys, door to door, and you, you hit everyone back then. The other publication was a paid for, you couldn't really know their numbers. It's a bit more difficult than off Devon Journal. But I worked them as well, just as hard. Now, they favour who you advertise with. I got better results from the North Devon Gazette. So I, I spent, I think, 30,000, 40,000 a year with them, in just their paper. When I advertised with the North Devon Journal, I didn't get the response. Yeah, yeah. So what happens then is you create this rivalry. So the North Devon Gazette loved me. So I'm spending all this money and they just want, they put me on the front page. I think I had 38 front pages in the history of, of that all the time. And the MP wanted to work with me to help his campaign, Nick Harvey, you remember Nick Harvey? Yeah, yeah. The front page on me, having him in the headlock. And we, we did all this stuff. Yeah, the journal put a ban on covering me unless I started advertising with them. In fact, what happened in the end is that that particular newspaper had reporters, their goal was to try and, batter me and bring me down so that I would start advertising and spend my money with them because all my money was going to the Gazette and Advertiser zero wow, spend wow. with their comp competition publications actually there was another paper too and so it was a rivalry between reporters at the North Devon Gazette and reporters at the North Devon Journal I was caught in the middle and it, it and also they like local newspapers and, and it was it was strange because I, I would complain about it to Yuri Geller and he would say it's you know he would say this is fantastic, mate. You got farmers' weekly newspapers arguing over you, making you a yeah, big yeah, star. Yeah. Keep keep going. So I kept on going, but the kill Matt Fidesz in the end, the publicity got so so intense where national media got cottoned onto it because they scan local papers for stories. Yeah, then I did yeah. all the TV shows: Trisha, Astor, Ramson, Kilroy. You know, good what was it back then? Good morning. It was a GMTV, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This morning, I did all those short shows. North Devon didn't like that. They didn't like this guy because I'm not from North Devon. I'm an outsider. 
They didn't like that. They didn't like people queuing up around my building. Obviously, a lot of people, do you know the way I described it? 50% of the town flipping loved me, and I felt like the other 50% of the town would just kill me. I didn't feel safe out on my own. If I if I went out, I'd have to go out with someone twice the size of me to keep an eye on my back. You know, you probably remember those days because the jealousy, you think people would avoid a martial artist, but they don't. They they want to beat you up to impress to impress their girlfriend. You yeah, know, yeah, impress, yeah. impress somebody, you'll become a star of the town. And especially when you become Michael Jackson's buddy and bodyguard, they really want to get you then. So it kind of backfired. But they killed Matt Fidesbier. I had a phone call one morning and and it was my mum bless her. She said, um, she said, can you not go into town today, please? Don't go into town. When someone tells you to do that, when you're 18, you do it. You know, and I walked down to town and you're right, at the bottom of the town where Primark is now and a bit above side there, used to be a gym there. All across, it was graffitied, proper permanent, kill Matt Fidesz. Yeah, yeah. And all across the other side on the new build building, there used to be a gym there called One Fitness. It's not there no more, I noticed. And kill Matt Fidesz there. And I just stared at it. And um, there were some students who were trying to get it off the walls, but it ended up staying on there for a couple of years, actually, until it got around there. But interestingly enough, I still had to turn up and take classes. I wasn't... Although I was doing well, I, I never had team members to do it. So I had started to face my students when when all this was going on. And um, that was triggered by my friendship of, of Michael Jackson becoming public. They couldn't handle that. That that was beyond the psyche of anyone. And I, I, I totally appreciate everyone now because I was 18. I wouldn't have handled it either if I was a, a grown man and had to make a judgment. I think this guy's a cowboy. He, yeah, must yeah. Be, he must be ripping everyone off. He's not even from here. He's taking all our, all our money. He's charging memberships. And uh, he's driving a Ferrari. He's, Michael Jackson, get out of here. It's just Barcelona. That ain't going to happen. You know? And, yeah, I went back and I was devastated. I just cried and cried and locked myself in the room and couldn't understand it. Then I made a phone call. No, no, my mum did. My mum called my martial arts instructor, a guy called Frank Murphy. He lives in Gravesend in Kent at the time and told him about it. He turned up at my house in Roundswell, a state in, in Barstable. And he said, I'll stay with you because your mum's worried about you. And um, he, did, he didn't say nothing about the graffiti, nothing about the media attention I was getting. I mean, remember the show Big Breakfast? They were camped outside my door, Andy. Wow. I couldn't even get out. They were going live outside my door. And we're at Fulham's Chinese Takeaway. Not Fulham's, the one in Fremantle. I can't remember what it's called now. Hancock. That's it. Hmm. and then the waitress came over I said I think someone's going to mention something she said I'm oh, really sorry to see um, Mr Fides what, what's, happened, what's all over the town and and um, what the media scrutiny you're under and my friend said who's, he's a lot older than me like, he's like uh, 25 years old what much more wiser very level headed he said what are you saying sorry to him for he said if I had my name graffitied all over the town in Gravesend pushing my business I must be seriously upsetting people and doing something right in the right way for someone to go to that criminal activity that extent he's on to something i want to find out how he's how he's making this work because he's smashing it he's got 700 members his name's getting written by the public all over the world they're breaking the law don't say sorry to him he's made man i'm here to find out and i'm thinking you know what that's another way to look at it and now we how do we measure our success we measure our success by how how many haters we have yeah and i always say at events yeah, yeah. you know you you can buy followers on Instagram and you can buy followers on Facebook. If you could buy haters, 
I would do it. And as Yuri Geller used to say to me, because he was like my mentor, was he? The original one, is your haters are your free publicists. They will go on about you on and on and talk about you for free, gossip about you all the time. And then that creates curiosity. And then people want to go and check you out. What's what's something's making this guy tick? Yeah. So going back to your question, did my business get hurt? I remember being stood up in class that day when uh, about a week later, and I checked with my manager at the time of who did the memberships. We had our biggest week we ever had. Wow. So it shows you that negative publicity thing. Yeah. It's all yeah, negative yeah. thing. Because people wanted to seek me out because they clearly realized something I had something was going on, you know. So and, and the thing is now now people wouldn't bother writing on a wall. They'd just put a message on your Instagram or they'd be a keyboard warrior. So in the grand scheme of things, I'm sure you've probably had just as many silly comments like that over the last 10 years with social media that probably haven't actually affected you at all because it's not quite so, I, I suppose it probably doesn't feel so painful because they're hiding behind something. Whereas back then it was a bit more public, a bit more in your face. I, ne- I never had anyone approach me ever, Andy. I never wow. had... Um, that's what I mean. So the actual, the graffiti was in public, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, obviously, when they had a few beers, if, if, I, if I would be out in, a, in a, an area that I'd have people with me, but even then, people used to say, oh, that person is always talking bad of you, but then he just came up and shook my hand and wanted a picture. It's strange. Oh, way. Yeah, yeah. But you measure your success by the amount of people. Like you, so the whole thing that goes back to is that what I got taught earlier on was very true. You've got to be aggressive, be in everyone's face. So people got to see, see your message seven times before they respond. So I had lead boxes, posters, my media coverage, newspaper adverts, door-to-door flyers, door-to-door knocking. You name it, I was doing it. And I was working five in the morning, 11 o'clock at night, all weathers, pushing my name out. People were sick and tired of seeing my face. They had enough of it. And I was getting recognised everywhere I was going. And people, we don't have smartphones back then, but people wanted autographs. So they would they had cameras with them. They wanted cameras. And if I was putting money for a parking machine, people would always stop and say, hey, you're the guy from the newspaper. I just kind of thought it was normal. You know, I just didn't really think much of it. I just thought being aggressive, yeah? The downside to that, if I took it really personally, I wouldn't be where I am now. I would have stopped. And I think that's where most entrepreneurs go wrong. They meet a certain element of hate and they're like, whoa, I don't want this. You know, I don't want the Twitter trolls or the Instagram trolls or Facebook, or I'm worried what people will think of me. And they stop when in fact, if they push through that and understand that is human nature, we all judge people. I judge people. You do. We're humans. 100%. Does hate hurt me? Of course it hurts me. If I see people comment nasty, I want everyone to love me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I know how to handle and process that now they haven't got they haven't got a problem with me they don't know me uh, they got a problem with themselves because the way they're looking at people Michael Jackson used to always say I wish people wouldn't judge me until they walk today in my shoes they don't even get to meet him don't even speak him they just preconceived idea which normally is a constructed idea that he he got out there which is actually where I learned all that magic from about marketing media and PR. I mean, if there was anyone who was going to be out there different, Michael was definitely someone who just stood out as being out in the crowd completely different. You know, like the one glove, you know, like everything about him, you know, short trousers, you know. Loafers. Yeah. Fedora. Yeah. Face mask, sunglasses. Exactly. And the thing is, too, is what what went against. I I still think he predicted COVID because of the face mask. Yeah. Do we tell you the truth about that? 
I'll tell you the truth about that. Because I don't think it matters anymore. He had, um, he told me he had his wisdom teeth out. And back then, I don't know if he's still doing now, but to stop infection after wisdom teeth out, you have to wear a mask. Ah, okay. And he felt when he went out in public, it just gave him like a shield of privacy. And he liked it. So after his wisdom teeth healed up, he bought a load of these masks and he would go out because people would stare at him. Hey, it's Michael Jackson and give him a hard time. He, he just liked it. It gave him a shield of just a little bit without the sunglasses on. He felt like it gave him a bit of a barrier. And that's all it was. That's all it was. Then to do with... Uh, do, you, do you know what the funny thing is, Matt? Even though, you know, I've, I've, I've been lived in North Devon my whole life, but like even when you go back to like, as I call it, coronial times, you get to go in town, you put a mask on, it was also, it's quite cool, isn't it? Because you could just be a little bit mysterious. Yeah, you can yeah, smile yeah. at someone, they don't know you're smiling. And it almost, you know, it just hides you away a little bit, you know? You can just get on with your day. So I can kind of, I can totally respect that. Howard Hughes used to do it. I mean, he, he was fascinated by Howard Hughes. The, the, the film was about him, The Aviator. Yeah, yeah. Very eccentric guy. So he used to study Howard Hughes and he wanted his life to be a mystery. This, this is the other trouble, Andy. We're coming back to my problem. North Devon, already successful, already a millionaire got the gadgets, got the material, got it in shape. And then what happens then, there's this thing called fame by association, which is very true. I got warned about this by Michael. He warned me. He said, if you're going to be my friend, your life will never be the same again. I don't, people always think of me, oh, I was his bodyguard. I was his friend first. I never took any money for Mike. No, nothing. And that's, I think that's why it all worked out well. And if you put money in the way, then the relationship changes. So I was already there, set up. I didn't need any money. My martial arts schools were booming. But he said to me, he said, at Yuri Geller's house, just like a child would, you're going to be my friend. Of course I'm going to be your friend. You're crazy, man. Why wouldn't I be your friend? So your life will never be the same. You'll always be known as Michael Jackson's friend. And and then we, later on down the line, obviously, he warned me about the bodyguard bit. I didn't, oh, like, yeah, well, we guess. No one's going to matter. But what it does, you've got his level of fame, which people can't understand. I don't think they're ever really as famous as him again. And then if you're linked to him, people are always curious in you or they want to get to you to get to him. At first, they just didn't believe him. End of story. It was just that people's psyches just couldn't take it in. And it wasn't just North Devon. That was UK-wide. Can, can, invited... can you imagine what it'd be like for Michael? If Michael was here now in the world of the Kardashians, the Kanye West, the way social media is now, can you imagine how that would, would be different for Michael now? It would be like, a, it'd be completely different, wouldn't it? Yeah, life would be good or bad. I, I, also, I often think about that, how Michael would be with social media. I mean, he crushed out a lot of rumours. I don't know. I don't know if you could have handled it, to be honest, because he was yeah. quite a soft bloke. And although he was behind all the media coverage, he, he was very sensitive. And like, unlike the other Jackson brothers, he was the sensitive one. And I think he would have struggled with it. But that was interesting. I mean, do you know what? It just fascinated. In, in my early 20s, it was just a gossip. I hated it. I couldn't stand it. Just, yeah, it's just impossible to deal with. And uh, you get home and then you, my wife at the time would say, I've heard this about you, this and this and this. And then I'd have phone calls with, from a record company saying, I heard that you're making releasing an album. I'm like, where did you get that from? And I don't even yeah. sing or anything. It was just madness just to think about what was going on then. And when I look back, 18 years old, making a million a year, and I had no overheads. That that place cost me to rent for both floors, about £350 a month. Wow. I was business rates exempt. I had one staff member at £800 a month, and the other £78,000 a month was my profit. And, and, and do you know what? 
I didn't even bother trying to hide it, did I? Because I just felt my attitude was people will get a calculator, they'll just add up how many people in the room, work out and they'll work out a figure that's greater than what I was earning. So I think I did the right thing. People come up to me and say, you're doing really well. You must be making a lot of money. Normally people would say, oh, no, no, no. I've got all these bills and overheads and play it out. I would turn around and say, yeah, yeah. See my Ferrari outside? That's I've done well because of my martial arts. See, I, I, um, I remember, I, I won't men- mention his name, but I remember a, uh, a guy who used to own a bar and um, he bought himself an Aston Martin. And everyone used to be like, oh, look at you, you asked him Martin. And he got to the point where he started to get to him because people were judging him because he was doing so well. He got rid of his Aston Martin and no one bothered him anymore. And he said that people hated seeing his success. All he did was bought a car. And now suddenly the topic of conversation was you've got an Aston Martin. So, you know, I, as much as, you know, I mean, for me, obviously, I mean, obviously I see all those, like when you say about all that stuff you used to have when you were younger, you know, but, no one focuses on like the oh my god look at all the lives that you you guys with with the change in with the yeah. kids i mean my my first um my first proper encounter with you i think we we were uh, we were just discussing how far back it was but it, we think it i think it was like 2007 so sort of probably 7 or 8 years after you were kind of really booming with your business and um Jermaine was coming to Barnstable i was chatting to a photographer friend of mine and I was in a job, I'd done photography at college and I was, you know, fed up of doing photography, uh, fed up of doing sales, I was selling cars. And I said to my mate, Dean, I said, what are you doing now? And I was chatting on MySpace. Um, so, um, and um, he, he said, oh, I'm working for a celeb picture agency. And I was like, whoa, hang on a minute, I could do that. And the first person that I thought of was uh, some, there was a celebrity who was filming down in Cornwall and I couldn't end up getting down to it. And then I heard someone say on the grapevine something about Matt Fidesz and the whole um, Michael Jackson thing. And I can't even remember how it came about, but um, someone said that Jermaine Jackson was in Barnstable. And I was like, cool, Jermaine Jackson, that's pretty good. If I get a photo of him, like, I'm going to take a photo of him, sell him, sell the photo, I'll make loads of money. And um, so I borrowed my dad's camera. So I drove down to Cornwall from North Devon to get my dad's camera, borrowed it. And I was like, if I was going to be in North Devon, where would I go out for dinner? And this was like, I drove down in the morning, borrowed my dad's camera. And then I was like, if I'm going to go out for dinner in North Devon, where would I go? So I thought there's like a really nice Chinese opposite the library. Um, And so I I, I thought, right. So I literally pulled into the car park at like eight o'clock at night, pulled in and thought, I'm just going to sit here and just wait. Like, that's what I've seen what paparazzi do. And then sure enough, this car comes along and I'm like, Oh my God, this must be, is this this easy? And then you pop out um, with um, Jermaine and Jermaine's wife. And um, I remember there was a couple of um, guys that obviously, uh, I think some of the guys from your martial arts. School, bodyguards. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, I remember um, Nigel Rosenbaum was there. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember his brother from Scouts when I was a kid. And um, so I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, like I took the photo, didn't sell. Like I was like gutted. I was like, this is like one of the most famous families in the world. Why could I not sell this photo? And then I, I spent the next like 12 months taking photos and I'd done loads of stuff from, you know, doing photographing everyone from like, you know, Amy Winehouse and loads of different stuff. And, and I didn't really like the, the, I very quickly found out that the whole paparazzi thing wasn't really for me. My passion was live events and photographing live music and going to places where there was like a book signing and it was more of a, Let's get a nice photo and like sit down portrait type stuff. And um, anyway, so I I get told that apparently Tito Jackson's coming to Barnstable 
And I'm like, cool. Um, I had a friend of mine who I'd been sending, Andy Keeble, he was a good buddy of mine, uh, used to work at the North Devon Gazette. And he said to me that um, Tito's coming to town um, with Matt. They're going to do some stuff up at the North Devon Hospice, which, as we both know, we both, uh, you know, got a lot of support for hospice. And, um, yeah, so I, Matt, uh, Andy says, could you go and take some photos for me? And I'm like, yeah, cool. Um, still working at the car garage. I changed out my shirt in the car park at the hospice, put a T-shirt on, and then uh, went and took some photos. I met you. I met Tito. Um, remember the photo of Tito holding the North Devon Gazette? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was mine. Obviously, you probably remember it, but it's it like that's the first time I properly. That met was interesting, you. Andy, because this will put to bed a, a strange thing that comes up. Every, not so much anymore, but it does in North Devon. Did Matt really know Michael Jackson? We, I know it's odd. It does come up a lot in North Devon, right? And oh, in that office that day, you probably remember Andy Keeble had an he had an exclusive shot of Michael Jackson getting into um, a limousine car in front of an old archive copy of the Gazette. Oh right! And he got he got Tito Jackson, his brother, over. I thought I've got it's my chance here to put this to bed for, for once and for all. And he said to Tito before you took that shot, he said, "Who is that?" And he said, "Uh." That's my brother, Michael. He loves it here. He loves North Devon. That's, he told me about Devon. He was here with Matt as well recently in Exeter. He's been here many times. That's why I'm here. That's my brother. Why are you asking me that? And Andy, Andy Keeble felt a bit embarrassed. It's like, why, why, you know, why do I still need to see, go there? See, I don't, I don't remember that. I tell you what I remember. I remember having a conversation um, when, when the Jacksons came to North Devon, um, which we won't go too much into, but... Um, you got to know the very, Tito very well. Yeah, so Tito, Jackie, and Jackie's son deals, yeah. and then um, what was Jack? What's Tito's sons called? From they had um, oh Taj, um, Tarol, and um, uh, Taj, Tarol, and TJ. Yeah, so Taj and TJ were the ones I think I met, and um, I remember yeah. them talking, and, and I remember Ma uh, Michael's mother saying about um, about places where she said that Michael had been before. And I remember at the time thinking, like, all right, so he's been here then. Like, do you know Wait, what I mean? Well, you imagine how frustrated I've even now. How much, I've got to be honest there. How much effort, like, how, how much effort would you have to go to get a Michael Jackson impersonator to come to North Devon and then the link between you knowing the Jackson family? I mean, like, come off it. Like, I mean, you know, I, you know, I guess, I guess the only, the only person who could ever tell us if he ever came to North Devon. He, he, he is Michael and he's not going to, he's not here, is he? So, um, but I mean, you know, listening to his family talking about places Michael'd been before. Um, and um, well, yeah, why, would, why would Michael's mother lie to you, Andy what? Casey? But Matt, why would Michael's mother come to North Devon? Because she knows it's a good place, right? Well, because if she knows you, she's not going to just suddenly, oh, they, who's this, who's this random guy I, tr don't, I trust from, you know, do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just ridiculous. But so from that, um, going back, this is what you're saying about. So you've got all the negativity that goes on, and um, you know, um, we're we're both with both fathers and stuff. And I and I think about one thing for me is that there are so many, how many how many franchises are there in the in the world? One for my school, for martial arts, it's over one thousand four hundred sites wow. now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And like, say, so, I mean, like, how? Is there like an average amount of kids that are there, or? Yeah, they vary from from from. You, you're training like literally a couple hundred thousand kids per week, 
So the impact of the life, which is true what you say, you only get paid when you change your life. Yeah. So, so going, back, going back to that Ferrari comment, I said to the parent, you're bringing your kids to me for a reason. They're being bullied at school. You want them to be more disciplined. You want them to be good, successful adults. Wouldn't you like your child at 18 to have a Ferrari like mine and not to worry about money? And yeah, I do make a lot of money. That's great, isn't it? I'm going to do my best to make your child so disciplined and work so hard and train so hard, be so respectful and ambitious that they can do the same. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're really right. That's great. Rather than, oh, no, I don't make it. You've got to be real brutally honest with people. You only get paid when you change your life. That's it. But go, let's finish on the MJ, the Michael Jackson thing. So did you ever doubt that I knew him? I bet um, you, you became good friends with Tito in the end and Jermaine and Jackie and all the rest of it. I know that, but and Michael's mum. So, so that was in 2007. I, stood, I first got hanging around with Michael to 99 and very serious then from 2000 to 2003. You know what? I've just remembered, having the weird memory. Uh, so there's a guy called Tony from North Devon, and I can't for the life of me think what Tony's surname is. But him and uh, one of his mates, a guy called Paul, Worked at, um, in one of the bars. I think it was, was it Chicago Rock or something like that back then. And they did they not put? I think they performed or something on that same same night at the Queen's Theatre. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, did like a band thing. Like yeah. a like a yeah, like a like a boy band type thing. And I remember like they were going to be like a real big boy band type thing. Yeah, and they, they performed on that same night, didn't they? For, I don't know if, if that's that same. Hey, going back some that, going back some now, but I got a feeling there was some lads who did like a boy band. Yeah, we had loads of ballet groups and all sorts in. I mean, I before. walk into I walk into a room now and forget why I walked in, so I can't remember like ten minutes ago. So I'm struggling with older times, but yeah, like yeah, you know, it's, I I mean, I Matt, I've worked with like celebrities all over all over, as you know. And why was what? How much effort would you have to put in to fake it? Like, I'm honestly, like, I feel like I know you well enough to say, like, Matt. If, if Michael Jackson wasn't really in Barnstable, wow, how did you suddenly become in the photos with Michael Jackson, friends of his family? Like, could, like why did Michael Jackson's Instagram, seven and a half billion followers or whatever it's got yesterday, post the picture of you on it if you didn't know Michael Jackson? Do you know what I mean? I mean... This is know. what I go through, Andy. In my <laughs> head, it's all quite simple. I don't understand it. I don't get it that often anymore. Have you had that? Have you had people say, oh, he doesn't really know him? Have you actually heard that? I, I, remember, I remember hearing like, oh, yeah, it was a fake. And, you know, it was, a, you know, I mean, I remember there was, um, oh, trying to think, was there like, wasn't there some pictures on like the local papers? Didn't they have like, was it really Michael Jackson or something? Let's, let's, let's find the lookalike or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've seen some lookalikes. So if you've ever seen Thriller Live, which I think you probably haven't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so like those guys are good. Like, and I remember we did that Jackson fan party at the Durant House Hotel in Barnstable. And um, one of those guys was so good, like so good. But, you know, I mean, Michael rung, when we were in, in the Durant that time, Michael rung the Durant House yeah, Hotel and talked, to, and talked to the fans. I you know? so, so if he was fake, if he wasn't real and you didn't know him, like... Why would he do that? Why, why would How he, did I organise that? Yeah, but why would his brother talk to him on the phone and be like... Hi, Michael. Like, do you know what I mean? It's I know. Just too much, I don't know too, what? too much effort. I got, I got to look from the public's point of view, I suppose, that it is, it is kind of hard for them to get their head around, isn't it? And do you know the saddest thing for me? I, I kind of expected like a little bit of an apology for some of the newspapers and that. Like, well, especially when I took it to Exeter. 
because I, I, was, I thought I'm going to really a lot of effort went into convincing Michael Jackson to go in front of 8,000 people which believe me and a lot to get in there safely in public with getting the, trying to convince the police imagine me trying to convince the police I was 23 that I'm bringing Michael Jackson to Exeter to the football stadium they thought I was bananas yeah, I turned up and they, they gave us a police escort on the full works. I was expecting the local paper to say, "Yeah, Matt, sorry," but all they did, they just put a picture of me and Michael in, said nothing about all the controversy or any apologies, nothing, and they carried on. And all the people that hated on me, they just—I don't know—they still try and find a way to justify it. I think the true difference with you, Andy, is that you actually were so around it all when you with Catherine, with Michael's mum, and. Tito and you heard us refer to Michael and he was alive then too. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So for you, it was... well, originally, I mean, I re- I remember, um, I remember going back then, and we were. I remember there was a bit of a as we we weren't talking about the controversy side on that that TV show, but um, yeah, I I remember sitting there with um, uh, I think it was Tito and uh, it would have been Deals, which was Jim. Uh, that's Jackie's. That's you. Jack, Jackie's son, wasn't it? Jackie's yeah. son's deals, yeah. Um, Michael's I can never, I can never remember. It's just like his, is it Siggy? That's it, Ziggy. Yeah, yeah. So he, Ziggy. he, um, that was his rapper's name, wasn't it? And I remember they were yeah. like, yeah, we're gonna have a barbecue, and and like, um, I'm like, hopefully Michael's gonna come over, and I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, no, it'd be cool. We'd get some like photos yeah. together. And I, I kid you not, I put my hand up. I rung one of my friends in LA, and I remember ringing him and saying, dude, I might get a photo of. Michael Jackson and his four brothers sitting on a sofa in Devon. And he was like, whoa, that's a big photo. He was like, that's, that's a million dollar photo. Like, it almost happened, Andy. But that's the it thing, you like know? so close. What ruined it was the media every day. They gave the Jacksons a bashing. And then what happened then, as you know, I won't mention names. I can talk about it in general terms. So, they, we were filming in one of Michael's homes in um, Los Angeles before we came to Devon. When you watch that particular TV programme, it's a bit back to front and upside down. It isn't like it, when they put things... You, you know what I mean? You, you were there. You lived it. You were part of the show. So we were in America first, and it was going really well. Then we get to North Devon, and it just rained all the time, and there wasn't much for us to do. And I did wonder at some time, is the producer's got a story here? because you know, the, the, the Jacksons are getting upset because the UK media is relentless and they they were really going for them, you know. And what happened, we, what we now happened, is behind the scenes, their producers were were saying, hey, Tito, Matt said this about you. Hey, Matt, Tito said this about you. And me and Tito just were a bit paranoid of each other at one point, you know, I think this is strange. And they kept, they, we didn't fall out. There was no fallout. They created like this conflict. So when email disclosure came out before because I sued the, the, the um, channel in question, and I got the results I wanted, hence why the programme was never played ever again. You think how much that programme would be worth now, Andy? Now Michael died mm-hmm. inside the house where he grew up. So I was I was talking to my wife about this earlier on. I remember, um, and you you might remember this, I remember going into Sainsbury's, and we were just going into Sainsbury's, and as you as you well know, I was I was there taking photos and stuff, so I was coming in the house. So I wasn't, I wasn't like a... A, a screw like screwing the, the Jacksons and stuff. I was taking photos with 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 them and and stuff. And it was like you know we got pictures of them on the Westwood Ho on the wall having ice cream and stuff. So there was no there was no paparazzi. No, I was never a paparazzi jumping in the bush. It was more of a friendship. 
And um, I remember like, we were going into, we went into stops and went into Sainsbury's in Barnstable. Um, and this is the last photo I ever sold of Tito. And um, I was raging. So they're like, oh yeah, come on, we're going to go in and get some, so we're going to go into the shop. So everywhere I went, I had my camera with me and I'm walking through Sainsbury's and um, they're filming and I'm sort of, whenever we're filming, I was always, just, I was always respectful, make sure I'm out of the way. And um, we were walking along and um, I remember thinking to myself, oh, I, I think I picked up some lunch or something. Anyway, I paid for my lunch and then I'd, I had it in a carrier bag and I remember holding my camera and I'd taken a couple of photos of Tito walking around, around the supermarket. Anyway, next thing I know, I've got like this hand on my shoulder and I'm like, can I ask you to leave, please, sir? And I'm like, what? He said, um, they're filming a, sh a show over there and their, their camera crew have asked you to leave. And I'm like, I walked in with them, mate. What are you on about? And they this particular, these people had complained that I was in their photographing, paparazzi photographing, and I got thrown out of the supermarket. And, it, like, and I remember to this day thinking to myself, this business is so oh, bad. This is so backwards. And, and do you know what? When I left... When Tito and I cut, is it Claudia? Is it Claudia? Yeah, 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 yeah. When they walked out, I was like, I don't think my shutter had ever gone so fast. So I was like, I'm getting shots of this. I was like, I was raging. I was like, I can't believe this. And I remember it was like a like a tiny little photo in the Metro newspaper. I, I, I was so naive back then, Andy, because I, I don't know. I, I guess I just felt all oh, the crew was my friend. I've been living with them for a few months. I've, took, I've got them access to the most famous family in the world. They had, they could have had an incredible program. Mike really would have shown up had it all gone. The problem was, and you'll, you'll remember this, the problem was the lack of interest. And we don't, I don't know why. There was no interest. There was no media interest. There was no paparazzi. That no one was interested in. I mean, being there. I mean, and coming to North Standard, no. no one come, did they? No one come. There, so they asked you to go into a. We can talk about that. That's fine. To go into a bush and pretend to be a paparazzi. When they did that that day, I they I they, at... they asked me, and I got I got two friends of mine who borrowed my cameras to stand at the bank to look like they were taking photos. Um, I remember because yeah. we we came up, we all went up together when we went and met them from the airport. And um, I remember coming through, and like it was the first time I met Mrs. Jackson, and I remember they were wheeling her through, and I was like, oh wow, like honestly, I was a bit starstruck. I photographed loads of celebrities, and I was like a bit like I wasn't. I've met Tito before, I've met Jermaine, I've met Jackie at that point. And I was like, Mrs. Jackson come through. And I've always had that, like, respect your elders. And I'm like, wow, this lady's probably, over the years, she's had a lot on her shoulders, you know? You know, if, you know, and I remember, like, thinking, wow, I was more humbled to meet her. And um, I remember, like, walking through. And um, funny enough, I was just, I was just thinking about this today. So on the way back to meet, to, to do Zoom today, I've been to Bristol this morning. And um, do you remember, as we came back through Bristol, the man who sung... He went, um, oh, can I sing Can I sing to you, Tito? And he sung Amazing Grace to yeah, Tito yeah, yeah. in Gordano. And I remember everyone's sitting there eating their food and this man's like holding Tito's hand. And I've, I've never seen anyone look so awkward while this stranger is holding his hands and singing to him. Um, but yeah, you know, it was like, it was a crazy time. But I remember, you know, getting told by producers, oh, there's paparazzi everywhere when we get back. And I remember driving back and going like... Yeah, it was interesting. Because in London, when we arrived, obviously the Heathrow, they got their own paparazzi custom size we have no control over that mm. and the whole idea was because they wanted to raise their profile he wants you know jermaine come out big brother massive star and tito was my best friend and we we he wanted to raise his profile but the um got back to north devon just died didn't it just gone and i, and I think that was the problem i was thinking how the heck 
is it's going to work because there is nothing for us to go, nowhere for us to do. And the media aren't interested. There is no curiosity. The neighbours weren't even bothered, were they? No. Well, this is the thing. I remember sat with them in Westwood Ho on the wall eating Hawkins and just like no one knew who they are, you know. Uh, you know, it, it crossed my mind once thinking, how are they going to make a program out of this? American side, mm. I can understand that. That was quite good what we did there. Mm. We went to the Hollywood Walk of Fame with Michael Starr and there was rehearsals, but they have a show and all that. They, they did some crazy, crazy stuff. But when it comes to North Devon, I should have got suspicious when she sent you in the hedge and gave your camera to your friends to pretend to be paparazzi. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was mad because there was like a bit around the back of the house where they were like, oh, if you go and stand over there and we'll film you. And I remember, you know, I mean, like I think about it now. And I remember the show where it's like, Matt, the suspicion is Matt's tipped the paparazzi off. I'm thinking, who the heck is that? I remember, I remember. It's I Andy Casey. I just remember she, told him, she told him to go over there. That's not paparazzi's. I was like 20, 25 at the time, and I'm not going to lie. At the time, I was like, "Wow, this is this is cool. Like, it's, it's exciting." But you know, like now, you know, you're going to need a bigger invoice than that to get me to stand under bush for the camera. <laughs> yeah, we should have caught on already, mate. Show me what's going on. This is be fair. Tito, did he get ever suspicious? Like, I think he wondered what was good. It was odd. It was all odd. At Durham Hotel that, that last night where we were there, the last night of filming. Me and him just stared. He just didn't know what was going on because we were being told different things by by the crew to stir up this friction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was I just mean, very strange, you know. And but it's funny. I remember. I remember the Durham Hotel because there was a bit where it, there was kind of like a calling off period where the, they were still filming, and I think I hadn't gone back to the house for like a few, probably like a, a good couple of days because it was like I think even maybe yourself had also said, "Let mate, it's all getting a bit weird." Just like. Just like see, like call it yeah. off for a couple of days. Like everyone's like chilling out and stuff. And um, I, I remember um, going to the to the, the the Jackson fan parties. It was, and it was such a good atmosphere. Like they had Damon Scott from Britain's Got Talent, who ended up being a good friend of mine, and yeah. um, a few other people that you know. And I, I you know I, I I remember meeting people like Lizzie Cundy back back then through people like Damon. That and you know the weird the weird way the world spins. And, um, you know, we did some great stuff with like people in, um, in London and stuff, which was cool, which was actually from links of people that I met on that night. And I remember going up to Tito's room that evening and he was like, oh, you know, um, uh, we're, we're going to be off, you know, next couple of days, you know, thanks for everything you've done, you know. And I said, yeah, no worries, we'll send over the photos to you guys, you know, we'll, we'll send them all over. So you've got like, you know, a library of everything that we've taken. And, you know, and I wasn't getting anything for it, but I, you know, I was just, you know, if I sold some photos, I made a bit here and there, but I took two weeks off work. You know, I was selling cars and I was getting quite good, good pay at the time. And it was kind of my end to kind of getting into being a photographer full time. And um, I remember Tito was like, yeah, thanks for everything you've done. Like grabbing my hand, shaking my hand. And I remember, I remember rightly, actually, I, I might've said to this to you before. I remember when I shook Tito's hand, I had a very similar situation with him. So uh, I photographed Peter Andre once and I said to him, I said, hey, Pete, we've got a mutual friend, Matt Fidesz. And he was like, and we were holding, we were shaking hands. And the whole time we were talking, he was holding my hand. And, and I was like, you know that, um, did you ever remember like the Banzai, the, the Japanese TV shows, and they had Shaky Hand Man? And they used to go up to all the celebrities and they'd shake their hands on the red carpet and just see how long they could hold their hand for. And I remember it got really awkward because this happened with both Tito and with Peter Andre. They were both just holding my hand whilst talking. And I was like, I need him to let go now. 
<laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? They they yeah. they were they were so positive. You know, they had a great time. We were having a great time. We were just, you know, what, what's going on? This is, this is odd. And we also would be upset that Michael didn't come. But if it weren't for the national press battering every day, the family, and the lack of interest in North Devon in them being there, because we thought that was going to be. I mean, when you watch the when you obviously it's only aired once because we. I mean, it's fair to say people's quite obvious, but what happened there is not allowed to be played again. So when you first watched that, Andy, what was your thought? Uh, it wasn't what I thought I'd seen. <laughs> it was, it was, it was like reading a, it was like reading in a magazine about a film or watching a trailer and a different film was there. I mean, it like it was like, I mean, I, I, I know I've had conversations with you know high court lawyers about this and stuff, but like that film, that was not filmed in order, that was not played in order, like that was the wrong way around you know they were oh and this afternoon like that that's that just wrong they broke every rule in the book with that and you know everyone knows when it comes to things like documentaries and stuff they have to be true to fact and um you know timelines and so forth you know i remember one part in the in in the program and i can't remember i think it was i think it was i can't remember this it feels like so long ago but they filmed the part where i think they'd gone to Tapely, which I wasn't at, but I think they'd film that and then they'd film something, they'd showed something else. And I was like, I wasn't even around at that point, but that happened way after. So like it was all like the wrong way around. And I think when it comes to when it comes to the documentary, um for me, the documentary aside, um, I made some good friends and some great connections over over there. And I mean, one thing that we haven't touched on, which was um, and which is one thing I think it's close to both our hearts, is um like visiting the hospices. Oh, that was powerful, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I've never it? seen a grown man that I would say, you know, like, oh, wow, you know, that's just a celebrity or something like that. And I remember seeing um, Jermaine and, um, not Jermaine, sorry, Jackie and his son, and they were like, you know, like, they weren't stood outside. I remember Claudia had to go and stand outside because they were like, almost they couldn't quite put into words like what they were seeing with these sick children. And it just, it touched another me because it made me realize that you you could have all the money in the world, but like you, you still get sick and like that still affects people, you know? And and it was like just them going and visiting the families and stuff like that, you know, you know, they weren't given any money. They Do you weren't. Do you remember know, they, Michael's mum? She couldn't handle it. Had to go sit back in a car. And she was yeah. just crying, crying. Yeah. 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 I threw into an hospice. Yeah. yeah. It was so much good that was done that wasn't featured. Uh, it was sad. And I, remember, I remember Jackie. Um, Jackie and his son were in. They were playing football with this this lad in the garden, and um, and I remember it like really distinctly because it's always like you know. Um, I always think when it comes to stuff like that, it's just you know when something hits a nerve. And I remember Jackie basically. Um, Jackie was there and he was like playing with his kid. They were kicking a ball around, and his son just said. He's okay though. Is he's just like his brother's here or his sister's here? Is is that why he's here? And I remember the lady from the hospital went, "No, that little lad is actually really not in a good way, and he's actually very seriously poorly." And he was like, "But he's running around, like, wow, like almost he was like almost it was in a way you could see his heart is like the blood rushed out of his face because he was like, but we've just been playing football with him. Surely he's fine. Like he must be okay." Like they just got this great like communication with this guy. They've had to be playing football, yeah. and he—you could see it in his face. He was like heartbroken that this little lad wasn't very well. It was strange, Andy. So if I would go back again, I wouldn't have sued the channels or producers because it was probably—it goes back to the whole hater thing again. Everyone 
in the Southwest watched that program that night. Just like when I was on Rich House, Poor House, everyone watched that because they were all part of the story. So everyone tuned in to that program. And there's, I had lawyers in my ear. You don't remember them. And I had PR people in my ear. They wanted me to sue because the narrative was I tipped off the media. You know, did I tip off the media? You know, for the freaking there was no meeting. I mean, if that's if you tipped off the media when it's the case, if you said, oh, Andy, we're meeting at two o'clock, yeah, then, then you tipped off the media. But I've got to be honest, um, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're meeting at two o'clock. I'm texting you, hey, Matt, what time are we meeting tomorrow? Like, because we went, you know, and I, and I remember the producer at the time, I was got, I've got very similar texts from her. Well, I haven't now. But I had very similar texts from her at the time. Oh yeah, we're meeting at this time. We're going there. We're doing this. We're yeah. doing that. You know, I remember uh, watching. I remember watching that program and just looking at it and going like, "This ain't this ain't what we." You know, actually, do you know what? My first thought was, "This ain't what we signed up for." And do you know what? There was um, there's a part of that film where I remember, um, ironically, do you you only wear white t-shirts, Matt? You're wearing a white t-shirt in that film. We need to get you some more colours. <laughs> I remember you wearing like a white t-shirt or a white shirt. And they're interviewing you at the end, and you look j- just broken. And I remember saying, yeah, to, "They were breaking me down." I remember what? saying to my wife, "I can hear whoever was interviewing you. I could hear them in my mind thinking, like, yeah. batter, 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 batter." You're privileged to see the raw footage, I think, weren't you? And it was shocking. And uh, yeah, in the end, obviously, it came out. I lent Tito twenty thousand pounds, and then he denied it. I lent it to him, and maybe look an idiot, so I sued him. Just like anyone, because my reputation is everything on stake, you know. And and in the end, he admitted that he lent him twenty pounds, and he paid half of it back. Michael died, so I let him off the other half. And we spoke, we spoke after Michael died a couple of times. And we're like, "What? Why did we let that happen to us? Why did we let people manipulate us? We know what media are like. Mm-hmm. How do we? How did we let that happen? We never fell out. We just didn't talk. And that was the problem. I think had we all sat down around the tables, they were like, "Something's not right here." We could have got to the bottom of it. Because really, there was no story. It was complete. It was, was never going to happen. And um, Matt, do you think looking back, it's um, probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me, Andy. That's that's. Do you think? Do you think looking back, can you imagine? Let's just say it wasn't Tito that came over and was looking for a house in North Devon. It was Michael. Can you imagine how people would treat you differently if it was like Michael was walking through Westwood Ho? He wouldn't be able to walk through Westwood Ho. He wouldn't be able to walk through Squire's Fish and Chip Shop. Um, you know, uh, you know, he wouldn't be able to do all these things, but because obviously, I suppose Tito wasn't probably as well known, although he's still part of the biggest family in the world, like famous musical family in the world. Um, you know, I think there's an element of it that, like, you can imagine, I can imagine people going, Oh, yeah, so he can get the brothers, but he ain't got Michael. Like, do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, so yeah, I know what, yeah. and I wonder, like, if, like, can you imagine if it was Michael Jackson walking through, like, it would be, you know, like you say, it's, it's a, you, know, you cut your hair now as well, so that's a good thing that happens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I cut my hair so I wouldn't get recognised anymore because it got a bit intense. And then Michael died and I ended up doing interviews with short hair and it got even worse. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good point, that. I guess it's just, you know, it's a, a different level of fame altogether, isn't it, I suppose. And, yeah, had it been him, it may have, it may have been a different programme. Obviously, they wanted him and we're, we're trying... I was speaking to the producers the afternoon that the programme was released in the evening, that afternoon. And I said, how is it? Fantastic. You come out so great. And bear in mind, the agreement was I'd only have two minutes in it with Tito visiting my martial arts cast in Plymouth. That's it. That's all the agreement was. It ended up being all about me. 
and Hot Tita was hardly in the damn thing. Mm. He was hardly in it. So, yeah, I had too many people on me. I should have took that on the chin, left it alone. Because what I did in the end, I got embedded in a big lawsuit against them, and I got what I wanted. I can't discuss the details, but obviously the program has not been played ever since. So you can clearly re- realise what happened there. Uh, but by the time I got to that stage, I would have forgot about it anyway. And it put me, it really put me out on the map because that was when mainstream media was massive. I think millions tuned in to watch that. It was so unusual. And I, I, I should have just had a bit of security with me for a couple of weeks. It would have died. It died down very quick. They should move on. And that led to bigger things, bigger opportunities and and, and so on. And of course, Michael passed away shortly after that too, which, which was devastating. And then uh, Daddy Rich House, Poor House, that really changed things for me, Andy. I don't. I banned them from. I don't know if you know that, but when they called me, I'm very suspicious when it comes. I don't want it to be Michael Jackson. So you talk about my career, what I do, my entrepreneurship, but you can have a contract in place. You're not mentioning my late friend. That's it. End of story. And they agreed to. They signed the contract and they went ahead with that. Mm-hmm. They never mentioned it in the program. Now this was interesting because I think people get perceived look about you. If they don't know you. They think. The guy who's in flying kit with the top off, the guy hanging around with Michael Jackson, the controversial TV program. Was it real? Was it not? Was Andy Casey really tipped off? Was he really a media or was he just part of the team to create that? You know, was this happening, that happening? And what was the truth to the whole thing? Because they were in, they didn't have privilege to all of us, did they? Are in a circle. No, no. And and even when they say, you know, at the end when he interviewed Tito, so Matt's old enough to be He's younger than one of my kids and everything will be all right. He's just saying another nice thing because he's confused. He don't know what's going on. It's just the way things are put together. And, um, yeah, it, it went on to lead to two credible things. It's the same old thing about entrepreneurship. You're going to get things that go wrong sometimes. Oh, yeah, and I had, to go, I had to go through that to have the hard knock, which and it wasn't a hard knock, really. I was just so young. I could understand it. Michael spoke to me before I did the program. said, don't do it. With my family, everything, the media twist everything. Do not do it. And I went against his advice. When the program aired, he found out about it really quick and he called me. I was hiding out in a hotel in West Super. He called me and he said, I told you so. I told you. Why did you do it? Because by then he got word that it was negative and, and uh, he had no sympathy for me whatsoever about, about that program. But yeah, it is what it is. And then, then Rich House, Poor House, I, I wasn't going to do that show. Well, I'm glad I did, because that gave people an insight into me, just me, my kids, my family, my personality, not the cocky guy, but maybe the image that they created. But this is the thing, Matt, you know, so you have the celebrity TV show. Everyone everyone thinks they know about this guy. Everyone thinks they know Michael Jackson. Everyone thinks they, the allegations over Michael, they think they know about Tito. They think they've seen it. They know because they're people. Rich house, poor house. Well, hang on a minute. I can relate to that because... It's totally relatable. Like, you know, um, uh, if I remember rightly, didn't you buy, was it a mobility scooter? Yeah, we did a lot more than that. Like, That's what they showed that. We broke the rules. Now, now you're allowed to help people on that show. But yeah, we, we filled their fridge up. We did lots. But you, know, but you know why, don't you? Because, like, we are, we are a poor country. We're not a poor country, but we are humble people. We, we can see, oh, wow, this guy's just helped these people. This, you know, and you probably yeah. get people who say, oh, you only did it for the TV show. Yeah, okay, maybe he did only do it for the TV show, but you know what? He still did a bloody good thing there, right? Do you know what I mean? The thing is, you weren't allowed to help the families. 
because it was copying a format called Secret Millionaire. Do you remember that show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah actually, yeah. going back to the other documentary, behind the scenes, when disclosure happened, when emails released, one of the re- producers said, uh, we've heard Matt's going to be on Secret Millionaire. That's going to show him in a good light. And can you put, can you do anything about that? Because it goes against the narrative. And then the person at high, high level, this broadcast wrote back saying, yeah, I can put an end to that. Don't worry. I mean, that's, that's how low this situation got. But uh, it's like Gladiator is a TV show, you know. They, everyone loves Wolf. They, 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 so for me, I just, I, I just looked at it the wrong way. I took it too personally, I think. Rich House, Poor House, they, I helped the family on the condition that it wasn't going to be shown in the footage because they were worried about getting sued about the owners of Secret Millionaire, where you reveal yourself at the end, you meet the family. But I, I said, that's fine, I'll have them anyway, don't show it. What I didn't know until that night is the family went back and they thought, what the hell, let's film it anyway. And the reaction was so powerful they thought we'll take a risk. And they included, I think, 15 seconds, not a lot, just 15 seconds. There's a lot more I did for them, by the way. 15, I'd have to tell people about that because that's between me and them. 15 seconds of it, and it just went massive. And that show got repeated over and over again. And then they they, 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 they come to some agreement. Now you meet the family, and it's normal to help them out. I've got many friends who've done rich house, poor house, so I broke the rules. No way I was going to leave that house without helping that woman. I couldn't care less if they showed it or not. Well, I care for. I don't need the publicity. I don't need the, you know, I can, I, he was driving my, around my 120 grand Bentley at my place. That one there. I couldn't care. Where is it? There. I couldn't care less about, um, about whether they featured a little bit or not. Didn't need the publicity, did I? No. No, no, one, no one took it like that. It was the best thing I ever did. And do you know the funny thing now? When I lived in North Devon, there's this whole saying, you can't be a prophet in your hometown. I used to hear that all the time. When I lived there, I used to, it was hard. It was tough. The gossip, the rumours and stuff. Then I moved away to Swindon for 10 years. I'm not too far away now, about 50 miles away from North Devon. But when I go back there, people come up to me. You know what, Matt? Can I shake your hand? Can I have a selfie? You put Barnstable on the map, mate, all those years ago. You put Barnstable on the map. And that's really nice. And that, that was them looking back on everything. Now realising that we all judge people. We, we all get haters. And, yeah, I think people understand now, if you want to be successful in life, you've got to prepare for some controversy and hate. Oh, it's entrepreneurs don't talk about the downside. I do. When I'm on stage, I talk to them about me being antidepressants, sedatives, um, suicide attempts I've had, those dark three years. You remember them? I'm sure you did. Mm-hmm. My mum dying, you know, younger breast cancer, my divorce, family members screwing me over, and they think, I can relate to this guy. Mm-hmm. He's normal. Yeah, I want to yeah, listen yeah. to him. I'm on antidepressants. I want to listen to that bloke and how he got through that. I tried to take my life once. I want to listen to him. They don't want the rosy, rosy, there's no wheeze. Thing. And that, for my entrepreneurship side of things, that really attracted people to me, you know, and Rich House, Poor House just topped it off. Um, I will flip the bird to anyone who says that this is me kissing your ass, but I, be- I truly believe, Matt, that you were destined to do good with what you do and you were destined to succeed. If you'd never met Michael Jackson your martial arts franchise would still have grown. Your martial arts franchise would still... The only difference is you may not have been in the public eye quite so much on, like, the TV and the stuff like that because... But, you know, that, in my mind, and this is, this is, this is like, probably me, you know, saying this as an outsider, but obviously knowing you more over the years, like, I don't even think about Michael Jackson and the Jacksons when I think about, like, the stuff with you, you know? I think about all the stuff that, you know, like, you know, your property investments and... Like, you know, um, not to kiss your ass, but you just talked about journaling 
and learning about um, Tony Robbins when you were 20. I'm 41. I've started journaling and meditation, mindset, business coaching yeah. this year. I'm 41, Matt. Like you were doing this 21 years ago. Like there's, there's part of it for me that as a, as like a, as a businessman myself now, I'm like, wow, why wasn't I doing that 20 years ago? Like you were given, like you were doing what, like some of the guys that are in our in our um, in our um, group of people that do the course with me, they're they're like in their mid twenties now, and they're like, oh, am I doing this because I'm surrounded by a load of old guys? I'm like, whoa, you've got an opportunity. You know what I mean? So I think you know, haters aside, they were they probably fueled you more. So yeah, you probably you're probably more successful yeah. because of them. But I think you already always would have done well because you had that mindset and you had that you know. Yeah. You know, you had you know. it all comes from being bullied at school, Andy. And when you're thick at school, you're no good at. I would say thick, but you're no good academically. You can't write. You, you uh, skinny little lad, and you're getting bullied. You, you're like, I want to prove you guys wrong. And when your parents say to you, "I never make any money," your grandparents are kicking your legs around. You want to prove them wrong, and that was the old thing about me proving people wrong. So when I got told once, whatever happened, I made sure it happened. I was in people's faces when I was getting gossip and hate. I was like, screw you. I'm going to freaking make him a little more successful so you get even more annoyed with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's my attitude now. Like yesterday, for instance, when they did that, the Michael Jackson estate put out all that publicity into over 80 million followers. I mean, that's a lot. There's a few fans said, oh, he's never really met Michael and stuff. And one of the fans sent me this, right? And I never saw it before. It's quite interesting. Some newspaper, they interviewed the doctor that killed Michael Jackson, Dr. Conrad Murray. All right, so right, they interviewed right. him. And I didn't know this. It's the Sun newspaper did it. So he's, um, this is what he said. He's what he's quoted as saying. I know it's the Sun newspaper, but it's a proper interview that was <laughs> performed. And I know it's the most reliable source, but they, they paid for an exclusive sit down with him um, when he came out of jail. He said, he added on the TV show, which will air in Britain and internationally next year, where Michael was going to perform This Is It. And then in brackets, says his doomed final tour. He wanted two people with him. He wanted Mark Lester and Matt Fidesz. They were going to move into Michael's home. They were that close. They have information on Michael. A candid heart-to-heart will clarify what I've written in my book. And that's from the doctor who killed Michael Jackson in 2009. So Michael was asking for me and Mark Lester, who you've met, who played Oliver Twist, and asking for oh, yeah, me. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember when I met Mark. There you yeah. go. There you go. Conrad Murray. Oh, no way. Conrad Murray oh. saying he wanted two people with him at his house in Los Angeles, they're talking about, where he died, sadly. He wanted Mark Lester, Matt Fidesz, and we were. He's the only person who would know that. I don't know this guy. Don't know him. Never met him. The doctor who killed Michael. Um, so he, he knew. So Michael didn't want to stay in a hotel for this, is it? So he rented a mansion uh, just on the outskirts of London. And we we're going to use the River Thames to get there. So me and Mark were going to move in with our kids to make sure we ate properly, set properly, because it's 50 shows every night. Well, that clarifies pretty much everything, doesn't it? That is it. The doctor, well, you know, how would, how, would, how would the doctor know that? Me yeah. by name, and Mark yeah. by name. Michael was telling the doctor, I need Matt Fidesz over here, I need Mark. It was such a shame that, that well, he did, he did call me, but, you know, I didn't think the guy was going to die. The doctor didn't call me, but Michael called me the Tuesday before he died. So, yeah, I mean, it, it fascinates me because there you go. I mean, it's you, it, but I guess, do you know the thing with him? When we used to walk down corridors, we used to check out of our hotel room 
And they would stop and they would say, it can't be you. And they would say, I have to be somewhere, somewhere. I'm just human. That's what Michael used to say, you know. <laughs> I think it's like too famous for people to, to kind of get that into their reality, you know, even now. And uh, yeah, only yesterday I had someone I saw uh, in a forum. Some of these fans still believe that you only held his umbrella for one day. Uh, really? Even now? After all wow. this, you know, it's like, blooming heck. But wow. anyway, I don't care. The thing, the thing you've got to learn about your life is that you, you don't have to prove yourself to anyone. And I think I took that a bit too personally. And it could hurt you mentally if you're not careful. All that matters to you, you can't teach this, it's very hard, is your wife, your kids, and your family. All the other stuff is in, is complete nonsense. The Ferraris, the money. 100%. 100%. It just, yeah. It, it, if you're a bad person, they'll make you a worse person. If you're a good person, make you a bad person. Money helps you help out good causes and stuff. And I don't publicize them because I don't feel I need to. And I, I don't have to prove myself to anyone anymore. And, and people can have their opinion on me. And I let them have their opinion on me because I don't, I have like five people who I mix with who really know me. You'd be probably one of the most who spent. A lot of intimate time with me, big style. We never got intimate. We never got intimate. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Hanging out in my darkest days and knowing the real truth to like my family yeah, and medicine and what happened there. And my heart was ripped out by certain things that one of my family siblings did. And um, my best friends around me, you were that. I mean, that, that's it. But other people looking from the window in, you got to understand that sometimes. That they well, are. I, I remember you, me saying to you about your, we, we did the photos with your mum, not shortly after, shortly before. You did the last ever photo shoot of my mum and her grandchildren and me before she passed yeah, away. Yeah. And, and we, I was we, a mess that day, weren't I? Yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember what's funny yeah. for me is I love that photo. I think it's such a lovely photo. You and your mum got your heads together. I know, I and, can't look at it. Just... And you can't look at it, but you can't look at it for a multitude of reasons, Matt. One is because yeah. you know that you're in a not a very good place because you're struggling with your mum's illness and yeah. everything else that was going on. But two, like, that's your mum, man. Like, you know, your mum, uh, yeah. you know, your mum's not here and you look at that photo and it's like, you know, it, it's, you know. So I, I was on three types of antidepressants, sedative sleeping pills, not so much alcohol or anything, but it just... Yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't see it. Do you know, I, don't yeah, think just, I don't think I've ever seen you drink alcohol. It's not really my thing, you know. I just mine neither. Lose your focus. I, I did, after my first divorce, I did. First time I drank alcohol was when I turned when I split with my my, my rehearsal marriage. Master, we mean master are great friends now. That's the first time I, I had it. But you know, you don't drink alcohol when you start when you're 27, 28. You drink a little tiny bit of whiskey, you're out on the floor. So for me, it just doesn't work with my lifestyle or anything like that. And in, in clubs and, and everything else, yeah, it was um, it was interesting. Yeah, you, you were there when I mean, you went out with me. I think the hardest bit when I split with Marcia, you got to know Marcia very well as well, didn't you? Yeah, not, not hugely, but yeah, I mean, I obviously met her a couple of times. Lovely stuff. woman, amazing, way amazing wife to my three daughters, Madison, Lois, and We got on really well, better now than we've ever ever did. But she didn't sign up for this crazy life. She signed up to the local to marry the local martial arts instructor, Matt. That's it. Not ended up having helicopters flying over the house and the biggest superstar ever visiting our home in Sherwell in Barnstable, Oliver Twist, the Jackson family, Blinda Carlisle. I mean, you go on and on. Media everywhere. People, when she dropped kids off school, people handed her magazines about me and Danielle Lloyd and stuff like that. But, you know, she didn't sign up for that. 
And that was the thing. And what I didn't understand, Andy, you probably remember, when I split up with her, I thought, I said, I got Ferrari. I think I had my second Ferrari, the 360 Spider, 140 grand. I bought it on my birthday for myself. And I had that house, which is an incredible house, wasn't it? Up in, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially for a man my age. I mean, I was, I, I moved in there when I was 20, you know? Wow. No yeah. Like, that's like, in normal terms, that'd be like a, a mansion, I guess you'd call it, right? In, in North Devon. If you put that in, if you put that in London, you're probably talking about seven, eight million pound place on, at his own gym and entertainment room and everything. Our three stories. Uh, and this is a sad thing. It, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to be all right. My world's my oyster now. I'm a single man again. But you try meeting someone when you've got a Mercedes SL, you've got a Ferrari, you're a multi-millionaire, your best friends are superstars, and 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 Google was around, internet's around, Twitter was on fire, rumors are going around. Whenever you sat down with a girl, they already got a preconceived idea about you before you even start. And that's that's the problem. And you you couldn't. Even when I used to try and attempt to go to a nightclub, you saw what it was like. People were coming up, they were lovely to me, trying to shake my hand and stuff. I had to go out before the lights went up. It was all, or go out the back of, I can't remember what it was called now, fever or something like that. Because otherwise people were drunk by that point and it would cause a bit of a stir. It was strange. I was like a, like a, and people would say to me, um, it was like, because they, even now, people don't realise it's got international. So there was so in some areas of England are more known than ever places. So people think, oh, you're so known in Barnstable. I, I took someone to go to South Devon. It's just manic anywhere. They don't realise that something amazing has come from this small town, and they should be so proud of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think they are. I think they are now. I think they are. They're really proud of that building. It's a big story to it that's linked to the Michael Jackson legacy, the media. But uh, sometimes you just got to take things on the chin, and as an entrepreneur. Do you know what it was? You hit the nail on the head. You've got to surround yourself with the right people. I was part of the greatest mastermind, what we call mastermind now, which comes from the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I had the greatest mastermind of people around me. Michael Jackson, Mohammed Al-Fayed, the owner of Harrods, billionaire, Yuri Geller, Daryl Hannah, David Blaine, Britney Spears, you name it. I had access to everyone. So when I got around the dinner table, there were all these multi-millionaire billionaires when you're around those type of people, you're not going to be a normal guy. The saying goes, if you're in a room full of 10 millionaires, the chances are you're going to be the 11th millionaire. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We learn, we learn from our peers, man. Yeah, so I was part of this incredible mastermind. I never, never knew it. I just thought it was normal. Now, I could give back all those lessons I've learned from Mike and all those people, Hamid, and I give back now because I understand I've got a lot to give. And like you said too, a lot of things are out of my control back then. I mean, I was the first guy ever to put people on direct debits for martial arts. Never been done before. Mm-hmm. First person to take that risk. You stand on orders. Remember that. And the only companies that offered that service back then were they hold you to like agreements, like 12 month agreements. And that's all they had to offer me. And then like a third party collection company. You probably heard this, this type of stuff. And they would take parents to freaking court. And that was out of my control. And in the end, we also overruled them and we, we just do easy and easy out now. It's a family brand and people won't be part of something massive and it won't still be going after 26 years and growing and growing if you're not changing lives enough in a, a big scale, you know? And totally. Yeah. And they give us, you know, the industry give me, they say the lead dog takes the forms. Well, you just got to accept that. And uh, you got to worry about it. This is what MJ, get us, uh, you worry about when people stop talking about you, Matt. 
Totally, totally. When they do, come up with something to make them talk about you again. So, Matt, what is next for you then? And like, and and like the martial arts and 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 obviously, you, I know obviously you got your, your your property investments and stuff. But what's what's next? Yeah, yeah. Like, what's next for for you? And obviously, looking like because I'm a, I'm a big believer in obviously we've got a past and a lot of our you know our, our history is our you know, like you say it's your legacy it's and so forth. But you know, what about yeah, about yeah. the future for Matt? What's what's next? Obviously, I know you've got your lovely wife and your yeah yeah. Amazing new young young, young three kids with with Monique and you got your other three girls as well. So like, yeah, what's next it, for you, man? Well, well, this is what's going to happen. Is um obviously the property side of it doesn't get talked about a lot, but I have got the the biggest private property owned privately owned property portfolio staff in North Devon and Cornwall, which I've been buying since I was eighteen because Yuri Geller made me. <laughs> Best thing he ever made me. I hated him for it at the time. I love him now. I bet so he ruins your cutlery when he comes around for dinner, doesn't he? Yeah, he wrecks it, yeah. So I'm buying property all the time. Um, the goal for me, basically, is this, is that I think the world is, it, we've just gone through a shock, right? We've gone through the pandemic, and then we've got Ukraine war, the cost of living. I, this is what I think now. I get up, I don't have to work ever again. I've never had to work since I was 20, you know that. I do this because I flipping love it. I love helping people. I love mentoring people. So my career, I'm going to keep expanding the MF brand. So we've got MF dance, MF martial arts, MF Pilates. We're going to go to MF boxing and other things as well. Because Not for the money, because I like mm. changing lives. I'm going to keep, keep buying property because I do believe it's a great investment on earth. Lord, you buy it right. And my goal, why I get up every day and I'm still motivated to do it at 43 when I don't need to do, to do that anymore. They just valued the MF brand recently, £120 million. And I started off with £100 from £2.75 an hour savings at the North Devon Leisure Centre. So my goal is, I want to, what I'm working towards building as much what I call generational wealth. Mm-hmm. So I've got enough money to leave my kids and their grandkids and their great, maybe my great grandkids one day, because I believe the world's going to be a freaking hard place for them. Yeah, with yeah, with yeah, global yeah. warming, pandemics, all types of different things. I want to make sure financially, they're sorted. That's what motivates me. So in a nutshell, by the time I'm 50, I will be a billionaire. I will be. You watch. I'll keep you keep them accountable by saying, I said it recently to a room of people, how can you be so certain? I'll do it. Everything else I've done. Why can't I do that? So I'll um, be a billionaire net worth by the time I'm 50. Now, not for the money. And to get there, I've got to change probably, you know, two billion lives and, and, and help businessmen expand and teach them all my knowledge and open platforms and do stage talks but by changing enough lives i'm going to provide for my kids forever that's what keeps me motivated so interesting interesting that if, I, if anyone ever was to say that you don't do it to help people um i'm going to give you a little story here just maybe might be a little good way to wrap this up for you so we went into the pandemic right um i have been running my business full-time now since 2007 um, we've got a studio, you know, we do, you know, everything we do, you know what we do, Matt. Um, so with the media production stuff and then the pandemic hits and I kid you not, a lot of my clients, are events, companies, you know, we were yeah. various different companies that, yeah. and my, my phone goes and it's Matt. Hey mate, how you doing? Have you got everything in place that you need? And I'm like, Matt, I'm shitting my pants. I don't like, I've, I've gone from like, I've been running my business for 15 years or 13 years at that point. I'm like, 
and back then we had a wedding company as well, which we've shut down this year, which is like amazing. So we're really expanding with the upright media as well now. And and I'm like, Matt, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know what, like, how are we gonna do this? Like, I feel like I've got to sign on. I feel like 16, you're like, you're like, give me 10 minutes, I'm gonna give you a call. Have a pen and paper. No, Matt has never rung me and said, Oh, Andy, um, can you can you pay my account? Can you give me this? And I'm like, I literally pick up the phone, you ring me, and you're like, right, write this down. This is what I'm telling all my franchise, you know, franchise owners. And you told me everything from get a bounce back loan, go and sign on. I was like, Matt, I'm not signing on. You're like, you have to sign on, mate. Like, if there's no income, you have to sign on. You have to make sure that you get your mortgage, your holiday for your mortgage. You have to do this, you have to do that. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, and, and I've never really properly thanked you. I owe you a coffee for that because, you know, you know, he kept I for a contract. I think I went for a contract for you. We we put a clause in for COVID. It was a bit of a risk on your side. It was an event. I think it happened. The event happened in the end for you. I think it came off. Yeah. I won't say the event, but I think it was an event in the Southwest. And we had a conversation. I had to go for a contract for you. We read it because it was kind of a risk on your part because right in the middle of the lockdowns. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I remember doing it. I remember where I was when I did that. Things are, I'm a big believer in that. You were so loyal to me back then. You could have rode off the... You know some secrets about my life and about the family. You could have sold stories about me back in my heyday. Big time, man. I mean, you could, you could have made a fortune. One of my, my ex-girlfriend sold a story on me. You could have really... But the thing, the thing is, man, like, I've always been a bit of a believer. You, you don't shit in your own town. And, like, for me, I've, you know... Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I've only, I've only ever seen the good side. I mean, you got me out of prison at one point. Do you remember this? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I did a charity. I did it. You better explain that because that sounds wrong, man. <laughs> hey, it only makes me better look bad. So I was, I did a charity event with the North Devon Hospice, um, and um, uh, it was a. You had to basically, you dressed you up in like a old-fashioned kind of like jailhouse kind of clothing, um, with a couple of other local people. There was like the mayor. Um, Rob Braddock from Braddock's Furnishings and stuff. No, Braddock's um, uh, Peer House and stuff was there, not Braddock's Furnishings. Um, a few other people were there, and um, yeah, it was like it was a, it was a good fun day. All you had was your phone. They locked you up. They handcuffed you in this building. All you had to, to do was try and raise a thousand pound. When you raised a thousand pound, you could be released. And all these people like knew loads of people, and actually, most of the people in the room were the people that I knew. And I was like, well, I can't ask him for money because he's locked up as well. And um, I just went live on Instagram and Facebook and I was like pleading for help. And um, I was 350 pound away. And um, I remember you said to me, I don't want anyone to know about this, but I don't care because that's tough shit. And um, I literally, you sent me a text. They're like, hope that's hope that gets you out, mate. Well done. And I was like, what's he on about? Well done. And I looked and it just popped up and it's like unknown 350 pounds. And I was like, that's cool. I mean, I, you know, you, you you got me out of there and then like within a week we'd raised two thousand pounds for the for the hospice yeah. and stuff so you know i've only ever seen you know i've only ever seen the good side of what you what you've done and again i'm you know if anyone says i'm kissing your ass read that um because i'm not because you've supported me i've supported you and he put the finger up by the way if you listen to this on the audio <laughs> oh yeah that's if there's captions <laughs> um I, I, I like doing things behind the scenes Andy. i mean i, I Obviously, I'm very passionate about breast cancer after losing my mother. I mean, that was yeah, a killer. Yeah, yeah. You saw me go through hell then. So yeah. I pay for people's operations of breast cancers and stuff like that. I'm not a big supporter of charities. It's always fine. 
on the top of a charity, there's somebody who makes a lot of money. Massive support of the North Devon Hospice. Yeah, yeah, Hospice. Yeah. North Devon Hospice, care for my mum. Yeah. I know Alison. I don't know if Alison's still there, is she? But I'm very close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alison Hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And oddly, the head of PR used to run the children's hospital for and ended up marrying Simon Cowell's brother, Tony Cowell. So that's the connection between me and Simon Cowell. Oh, so okay. everything everything goes round. You you pay it forward, you know. So it's uh, so I support Simon Carroll's charity every year together for short lives, which is raising money for privately funded hospices. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, I, I love doing that, but I don't need any praise from it from people. And and um, yeah, it's I, I learned that from Michael. To be honest with you, all the stuff he did, paying for people's funerals, and because he he couldn't win if he wanted to. If he, if he publicised it, I just did it for PR. You know, it's like. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just it's like don't need the PR. Why? Why do people say I need the PR? Like, you know, like I put an offer in on a property recently, and they got North Devon being North Devon. The guy who owns the property was talking to a guy in Croy, and then before you know it, it's bound inevitable. I knew it would happen. So I, used, I started off at bed sitting Croy, thirty five pounds a week, and got evicted. So it's quite a nice little thing. And the bloke, it's fine. The Daily Mail ran with it. Multi millionaire Matt Flesh puts an offer on his house. And um, but I don't need the freaking publicity, you know. If I, if I wanted to do publicity, there's a lot more things I could do than than uh, do that. You know, I would have done Celebrity Big Brother by now or something like that. But I'd rather have time with my family than do do stuff like that and talk about my my late pal. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing. But Andy, I want to put you on the spot now. I'm going to make it tough for you, right? Yeah. I want to give some value to the listeners because a lot of entrepreneurs follow me now and. And we, yeah, we had to cover the Jackson stuff. So I think if we didn't, people will think we're hiding something. This is probably your longest podcast, by the way, ever. Okay, it's, it's good, though. <laughs> it's good. People will be glued to this. How many times do you get people have an insight to behind the doors of my life, my family, and the most famous family? You don't get it, do you? No, exactly. You, yeah. you are a man who knows the truth about everything. My relationship with Michael, with my relationship with my mother, my ex-wife. You know, so my girlfriends, everything, me, me family, you know everything. So it's just quite a rare occasion. I know my, my franchises would love this. And they, you know the real me. I don't have to put, you know, I feel quite relaxed about it. <laughs> so 10 things, we're going to go for 10 things you've watched over my career, which now is a 41-year-old man with a successful business, father, and I know you've been through chat. I won't go into the detail of that, but you've got challenges there, which I hope I've supported you with the best I could. It was how for me. To, to watch you go through that and Andy's and his wife wife's a lovely woman um they got a little girl and their little girls had to go through their annual operations yeah, and yeah. he's very very passionate about that extremely I think that's your number one in your life other than your wife without shadow of your dad in your house 100%, 100% so looking back at my career mistakes I've made and the wins I've made pick out you can write these down if you want send them to me so it'd be good stuff to do for me to do a live feed about later 10 things you've learned that will help you now go on to be successful. Before you answer that, what is your goal? Where do you want to go now with Upright Media? Uh, so with Upright Media, our, 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 our business is, has been growing for, for years. This year has been a weird year for us because it's the first year we've got we've made a decision weird to shut down part of our business um, and to kind of you know batten the hatches a little bit. So we, we've run a successful wedding in, wedding business now since 2007. Um, we were doing wedding photography, wedding videography, and that was like a, a big part of our business. But the media side, so we 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 do the photog- we do photography and video. Um, with I mean we're we're all over the place. I mean I was even like I mean 
we we said, oh, let's meet let's meet on Zoom at two o'clock. And I messaged you last night. I was like, Matt, can we make it free? Because I've got to go to Bristol. So I got up at five this morning, went to Bristol, did some work with a client in Bristol, and then we were back yeah. in time. Met you. I literally got in half an hour before this. So I'm going all over the place. I'm in London next week. Um, um, yes, so just all over the place. Um, with us, with the business, we are, my 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 kind of plan with with my business is very similar to kind of your plan. Like you said, I want to be able to support my daughter. My daughter's got quite a lot, few learning difficulties and stuff like that. I don't know if she's ever going to be. You know, we know that she's probably not going to do GCSE. She's probably not going to go to university. But you know, she's got so many aspirations in life outside of the education factor and like you said you know we're talking about education and stuff you know my coach got two gc it's got two gcse's turned over like i think two and a half million pound last year i'm like you don't people put so much emphasis on education my gcse's were rubbish i just think that that for me i want to be able to grow my business to to a point where i can help support my daughter you know and if i have to financially i don't want to use the words bankroll her because i feel like she's got the drive she will she will she will achieve but like you know if i can support her and support my wife and support my family you know i mean i i am um, i meditate every morning which is probably you're probably thinking wow the craziest guy you know is like a little bit blah and every morning i meditate and i, I use a guy called joe dispenza and um, every morning he has this um um i don't know if you are you familiar with joe dispenza i'm not but you're making me familiar with him. yeah so he's really really cool so he's like this uh this american doctor guy like wizardry like stuff that so he every morning i do his morning meditation and he gets you to look about you're reflecting about the things from the from the past and but then put your focus on the future and i think that's for me i mean you know whether my business grows whether i you know we're, we're looking at investing in some property as well at the minute and um, you know it's one of those things that you know i know i've spoken to you before about property and you know getting some advice from you but i think it's you you kind of have to i'm in that situation where i want to be able to grow my business and and build something that I know I'm not I'm not worried about you know fast cars you know living a lifestyle I just want to be comfortable and also be able to support my you know my wife and my family you know for the years to come and and again like I say and hopefully like the next generations and stuff you know it made me really sad a couple of years ago my my uncle died and my mum didn't particularly have a great relationship with my uncle but um we we went up to the funeral up in um uh, I think it was Northampton. I've got to be honest. I just remember me and my mum just chattering for hours. We never used to, we've never really sat in a car for that long together. And I remember just talking to my mum and talking about stories and stuff. And we got up there and my cousins, my bless him, my cousin, and I hope he doesn't mind me talking about this. My uncle left him nothing. And I mean like nothing. Like It cost my un- my cousin 600 pounds to have his house cleared out because my uncle had left nothing. There was nothing left for him. And I remember just thinking like, how sad is that? And my um, my cousin doesn't know this, but my um, my mum gave me my grandfather's um, pocket watch, and um, it, 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 I don't know if you ever seen Pulp Fiction, yeah. where, where yeah. the the, the, uh, the guy comes back and brings the pocket. And in my head, I can hear this pocket watch story. Anyway, my mum gave me this pocket watch, and, and I don't know whether I'll do it while my mum's still here or whether I'll do it in the future. But one day, I'm going to give my cousin that pocket watch because. To me, he hasn't got anything from his heritage because his father's not left him anything. And I don't want that to happen to my kids. So I think for me, like, you know, with my business, my goal is to, to be able to do that and have some sort of, you know, support for my family. And like you say, like, you know, I find that inspiring, like you say, you know, it's not even just your, your, your kids, it's their kids, you know. 
Um, yeah, because yeah. the world is a strange place right now, and I we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going around the corner, you know? You know, so it's a scary world. So, Randy, 10 fire around things or what you've seen and mistakes I've made that you feel have made and wins that you're gonna learn, but you've learned them from now. And you can write these down to a sentiment of observing my career, what I got right, what I got wrong, what you're gonna to learn to take and get to that goal now of leaving generational wealth for your daughter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean I can um, I, I, I I you want me to write them down and then send them to you or well, we can write them down as you make them up now if you want. Well, one one of your one of your good things you've done, you you've had the best photographer. That's one thing, right? Okay, number one, you can't argue that picture is good. But I keep doing that. It's actually over there on my screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the um, yeah, the photos. I mean, that brings it to, to marketing. I would say. That, literally, that's where I was going to go with it. So I think you know, like you know, I mean, whether I'm going to get this to ten, I don't know. But so, like for me, it was going to be exposure and marketing, and basically getting the 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 stuff that you you you've done, you know, and going back to that lead magnet, you know. So for me, like only like you know, it was only the other day I thought, hang on a minute, I remember like when we were talking about when did I first know about Matt Fidesz? I was like, oh my god, that like you know, people we talk about lead magnets and funnels, and you know, we're going up with um going up to um, Expert Empires next week, and I know like you said to me, Andy, you're in a, you're in a funnel, you're in a funnel. Um, I know I'm in a funnel, but. I, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, with like sales and stuff, you, you, you have your, you have your clients and you have to have all that, that with it. So I think for me, it's like looking at like some of the stuff that you've done over the years, like your, you know, your TV appearances and stuff like that. I think that's something that's like, I've, I've, you know, obviously some of it's been controversial, but I think some of it's in the grand scheme of things, like I say that, you know, haters are going to hate, but they're going to, you know, they're talking about it. And like I say, when they're not talking, that's when, that's when you want to panic. And I mean, um, you know, I mean, one thing I can, I, I will say this as well. I mean, you know, people, I can imagine people saying, oh, he only does it for Instagram, but I know what it's like on when you run your own business and you're, you know, I mean, I think you work mainly from home now, don't you? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so mine, I've got a business, I've got a premises for my business, a bit like your old unit in Barnstable, actually, when you used to be down at Pottington. And um, that's where our studio is. Um, that's where I am now. Um, and, you know, eight o'clock at night and I'm like, oh, I haven't got home yet. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. And then and then my daughter, I wake up in the morning and my daughter says, oh, daddy, why didn't you put me to bed tonight? It was like your turn to put me to bed. And and I, I remember seeing, you know, you, you're always posting your pictures with your, your kids and stuff. And I, and I find it yeah. quite inspiring that because, you know, work like a dog by all means, but like, don't forget about what you've got at home you know don't forget you know you've got your your wife your, your kids you know and and that you know um how old uh, is my ella isn't it your youngest yeah she's three and a half that's she's she's... 19 wow so she's three and a half in a year and a half she's five she goes to school right yep that's it then she's like she's now she's like she's she's like she's an infant now she's not a toddler she's like that time is so precious. And like, as you well know, you know, we adopted uh, my little girl when she was 18 months. And then we had like half a year of her being in plaster cast. Then she was in intensive care with pneumonia. And then we found out she's got the George syndrome. And then we've had everything that goes on with it. But you know what? It's just like, that's made me stronger. And like seeing like what you've done with your, your kids and stuff and you go out. I mean, we just had the best summer, Matt. We've just like, like, do you know what? 
You're money money yeah. doesn't buy happiness, Matt. I went to, we went to a campsite for 10 days. We went to two different campsites. It was like 15 pound a night. And like, we, like one day we just went for a walk, went to the beach. And I said to my daughter when um, at the end of the, it was just before she went back to school on the weekend. I said, oh, what are you, because we do quite a lot of this. Like what were you, what are you like your favorite things for today? And what are you, I always ask her what her favorite things are because it's good for her to also recognize like the things that she's enjoyed. And she said to me, she said, we went, when we went to Lulworth Cove and I was like, wow, okay. We did loads of other shit. We went like, you know, we, the nose, because we went to Lulworth Cove and we went in the sea and it was just me, me and my wife and her, we went and got um, like these fish burgers. Incredible. If you ever go there. And then about an hour later, so obviously you've got to go in the water after an hour of, after eating. And then, <laughs> and then we went in the sea and we just went in and I like had a little swim around. And she said that was her favorite moment. You know, we went to Monkey World. We did loads of stuff. But just being in the water with me and her mum yeah. was the bit that was the most, that was her favorite thing. Her memories. She did, like, it wasn't when she sat there and played on her iPad or a Kindle or it wasn't, it was those. So I think it's, for me, it's like a lot of, like, you know, like we've talked about this, but it's those making those memories of the family. And I think that's something that, you know, again, I've, I've been inspired by what you've done there with, you know, you posting your pictures with your kids and, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's admirable with, you know, when you, you know, you, you've got to be a good dad and, you know, you know, don't get me wrong. We, I'm sure you've got it wrong many a time, you know, I'm sure. I got it wrong the first time around. That's why I make such effort now because the mm -hmm. first three just saw daddy working all the time. Mm -hmm. the, this, this second three, I call it the second batch. They, <laughs> um, they, 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 they're with me all the time. I mean, it's just different. They yeah, grow up so yeah. quick, Andy. I mean, it's like, you know, flash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're also close as well. It's great. All six of them, they're also close. And yeah, it's it's real cool. I think you're on number five or something like that. Oh, is that where we're at now, is it? Oh mate, I don't know where I'm I'm at now. Um <laughs> I think I think do you know what actually like I think that this is like something like taken back from it is also that whole kind of when you when you give someone something you don't have to receive something in return. So mm. like, you know, like, you know, I've seen on various occasions when you've, you've helped other people. And I think that's something that's like something that I think is worth people noting down. It's like, do you know what? I mean, you know, I always say never bite the hand that feeds. Um, yeah. and, and also it's like, you know, also you don't have to give to receive, you know? So it's like that kind of, I suppose there's two things there really. I mean, you know, you you obviously have been you know working with all your clients and stuff and you've been loyal to your clients and i think that shows with your like you know when you do your, your championships and stuff and i'm still waiting for my invite to come and watch that um yeah but, um, i hope it'll be back to normal this year i hope so yeah so um but i mean yeah i, I don't know i i think as a as a as a like a, an entrepreneur i think it's i thought i've always found it kind of quite interesting with what you've um with, with how you grew from like from nothing as well. So like um, it, it's like you don't need to go and get. A fa I mean, I got £10,000 bank loan when I first set out my studio in 2010. Uh, and then and then I mean, like I remember like when I first set out my business, I borrowed 10 grand. I was eight grand overdrawn. And I was like, I like I wasn't I didn't know which way I was turning. I, like, I was throwing money at Google Ads. I was throwing money at this. And then I actually realized when I buckled down, I actually just got to focus on the people around me and my clients and, and actually like, you know, word of mouth yeah. and stuff like that. 
so I think I think you know I think that's one thing that you know you don't necessarily need to put your hand in your pocket and spend loads of money to to grow your business. So if you know, like you know, we've like you know, I know you did this recently. Um, so I remember <laughs> I remember I remember saying to my wife, "Look at Matt," and she was like, "Oh no!" And I remember messaging you when you're on holiday and you've done your live, and I was like, "Matt, rub your sun cream in." But do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on Instagram now for free. Right. It doesn't cost you anything on Instagram to go on Instagram and just talk to people. And like, I, you know, I see this quite often when you when you, you talk about you go on Instagram and you talk, talk and give people advice on business. And like you did that time with me when you, you, you know, in the, in the lockdown, you know, and it, yeah. it, it pays to help others, you know. People can learn from your mistakes. And I, I wouldn't change anything going back. Andy. I mean, I said I changed. I know that if I changed that, I had to learn the lessons to become who I am. And the older three daughters see a lot more than me than they've ever do. Now they're constantly in touch, and we have a great relationship. But yeah, it's uh, you got you got to try and get the balance right, and that's that is kind of difficult. Yeah, yeah. I think. So how do people contact Andy Casey then? And what's your podcast going to be called? Wow, do you know what this is? This is how this podcast came about, wasn't it? I I remember talking to your buddy Rob Moore and and going through the whole uh, the, the the plan with them doing a podcast. And I still don't know if I'm going to do a podcast. I'm, I love the idea of it. But for me, it's like, you know, our business at the moment is myself and my wife. Um, it's the time of having to be able to do this, you know. And, you know, we've rattled on for ages. But I am, um, you know, um, so people can find me. I'm on Instagram. Uh, me personally is Andy Casey UK. Um, and then in the, the business is Upright Media UK. So, um, yeah. I mean, Google, right? Yeah, but just go on just Upright Media on Google or Upright Media UK on 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 Instagram, and um, you know um, I'm 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 one of those people that I, I love working with new with new new businesses and stuff. I love I love getting people's results. Um, so when we when we do photography and video, um, people quite often say to me, "Oh, you haven't sent us an invoice," and I'm like, I'm, "That's my other half does that." Like because I'm so passionate about the creative side. You'll probably say, Andy, you're you're a terrible entrepreneur, but do you know what? It's because I'm passionate about what I do. Um, you know, and to be fair, when when because Kate used to come, she used to work in retail, and um, when my daughter wasn't very well and so forth, and we had to look after her a little bit more. Kate left working full time, and I was there. You know, felt a little bit under pressure, like having to run the business. Anyway, Kate started doing all the 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 accounts and stuff like that, and that's where we've kind of grown. And now, I mean, like Kate edits, she does design stuff and she's like doing um film editing you know filming as well so it's amazing like you know these skills have grown so um yeah i mean um i just we're just passionate about what we do and you know if we can watch it we can help another business grow um you know and yeah help them, you know and then help you grow yeah exactly exactly so go check andy out upright media or andy casey uk shoot him a message he's a good laugh anyway i'll have a good bit of banter and hopefully he will do his podcast because I think he'll be quite funny on it. Some cheeky chap. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for coming on today, Andy. Really appreciate it. Nice one, dude. We, we've done a Joe Rogan star, right? It's been a simple chit chat, two hours without the cigars and everything, though. So yeah, no, my lungs won't cope with cigars. I only had COVID again last week. So, oh, did you really? Yeah. Me. Well, say hi to everyone for me. Uh, well, when I'm in town, I'll look you up. Yeah, nice one, buddy. Catch up soon. Thank you very much. Good, dude.